This program is a collaboration of personal opinions and individual free thought. It does not represent the views or narrative of the mainstream corporate media hacks. Viewer discretion is advised. And here we go. Live from the Bell Tower, taking a stand for your rights, your liberties, and all the bullshit in between. You're listening to Break the Bell Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the one and only Break the Bell Podcast. Hello, beautiful bell breakers. I hope it's the one and only. I you mean, know, I didn't ever like, check. I was going to say, I never stop and check to see if there was another one out there. So I'm hoping what if this people is people are the getting one? on some other site and they're like, wait, this isn't the one I thought it was. Or they're getting finding our site. They're like, shit, this is not yeah, the break. Like, is... these guys went downhill fast. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> My, as far as I know, this is the one and only Break the Bell podcast. Yes. If it's not, let us know. Yeah, I mean, we've been we'll doing this. We'll take out the other guys. I mean, two and a half years into it, you think right. we'd know by now. You yeah, think you they'd think so. reach out and be like, hey, we're going to sue a, your ass. There's a podcast out there, break a bell <laughs> and they're probably pissed off every time somebody accidentally yeah. ta- like steers to us they're like shit those assholes again yeah no. yeah, yeah. I, that, that's what we are we're just we're we just are. the assholes so how's everybody doing out there shannon's already in the comments um she she's here she says shannon says hey, i'm shannon i'm here with a with with a lot of ease <laughs> and then she says how are my favorite kids shannon one and only. I love being your favorite kids. We will always do whatever we can to be your favorite right. kids, even if it means losing every other like every other two listeners that we have. Uh, <laughs> at least we're your favorite kids. Shannon also says definitely assholes, but it tracks. Good, good. I'm glad. Glad to hear that. Um, just so y'all are aware, if you if you didn't get the memo, we are going to be graced this evening with. Once again, a, a returning guest, one of our favorite guests that we've had on. That's why we keep having him on so much. Right. That is uh, the great Remzo Martinez of the On The Run podcast. So uh, in just a couple of minutes, we're going to have him on. He's going to teach us how to make money in this like uh, disaster of an economy that we have right now. Um, we haven't had him on since he's gotten married. Do you think he's aged 20 years? He, he put I, on 150 I, pounds. He's going to come on. He's going to like, there's no, no humor left in <laughs> yeah, his right. life. His soul has been sucked out of his body. He stares like, off into the horizon. Yes. Yeah, it's just like, oh, how's it going guys? It's like, this is not the Remzo. We yeah, remember. Right. No, this is married Remzo. Sorry. <laughs> So uh, he's going to be on in, like I said, in just a couple minutes. He's already waiting. Last I checked, he had to take a piss. So um, we'll we'll do our pre-show banter, and then we'll wait for him to piss. I, I mean, I, I don't know how long that's going to take, but <laughs> we'll we'll fill the time, I guess. Absolutely. Um, 
Obviously, we're live, just as we are every single Monday yeah, night. And I, I dressed up tonight for Remzo. You did. The last couple of weeks, I've, I've had my work shirt on. You know, it's like been a mad dash. And tonight, I decided to, to tonight dress Tonight, you're up like, I, I want to impress yes, Remzo. Yes, I think I, last I time to... Remzo was on, you had your cowboy hat That's on. That's right. So, I forgot about that. So, uh, you got you, you to gotta impress Remzo. Yes. You, you got to live up to his expectations. Um, before we get into the show, before we start talking about how to make money, hopefully we actually learn something here and learn how, because I, I could use all the help I could get yeah, right. when it comes to making money. So um, before we get into that, we got to mention our sponsors, which are making us money because they're, they're our sponsors. Right. Um, that is Run Your Mouth Coffee at rymcoffee.com. They are a coffee company that supports your right to free speech, your right to all, all the individual liberties, but first and foremost, free speech, and they make really fucking good coffee. I mean, who doesn't like good coffee? Right. If you don't like good coffee... Uh, then you probably don't like free speech. Yeah. Uh, I mean, those things go together. Yeah, I really mean, do. you either like coffee and like free speech, or you hate coffee, mm -hmm. and you are the enemy of free speech. Remember when uh, Mar Meghan Markle was with her husband, I don't remember which one it is, and he's like, all like... I don't understand this free speech thing. Sip tea. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because you're you're drinking tea. That's why you don't understand free speech because you drink tea. Yeah. Uh, nobody. I mean, that's why we threw all the fucking tea in the in the nobody freaking Boston it. Harbor because right. it, the two don't go together. Free no, speech no. or uh, the Constitution. None of that goes right. together with tea. Yeah. Coffee and Constitution. Uh, they're pretty much rolls right off the it tongue. Does. It really does. <laughs> Go to RYM. Uh, Shannon says, Bill's got his sexy panties on for Remzo. <laughs> it's true. Let's, let's true. interrupt <laughs> our uh, promo for... Go to rymcoffee.com. Tell them we sent you by using the promo code, break the bell. Wow, it's early today. Um, break the bell, and you'll get... 10% uh, off your purchase, plus free shipping, and that's a freaking awesome deal. Um, get to drink delicious coffee and support a company that supports you. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day. So, who doesn't love that? RYMCoffee.com. Uh, as always, we have our merch website, our merch sales site yes. at uh, breakthebell.bigcartel.com, where you can get wonderful merchandise, such as the I Will Not Eat Your Bugs t-shirt, the uh, We Are Not Your... P we are not your pawns t-shirt, which is my personal favorite. And then we have our classic logo t-shirt and some mugs and some other stuff. So check that out. Uh, support us a little more. If you if you want to give us a little help us out a little more than just like listening, which is what we really want you to do anyway. Um, go to the store, breakthebell.bigcartel.com, buy a shirt, uh, support our freaking thing that we got going on here. Represent, I guess. Absolutely. Represent break the bell. Uh, that's, again, breakthebell.bigcartel.com. Don't miss our new show. Me and my brother Dan Smotz host a morning 20, 30-minute segment, which turned into a 40-minute segment last week oh, for really? some reason, um, known it's as Two Scoops. Eat it. Yeah, yeah, we just, like, as podcasters do, we say yeah. this is our, our cutoff point, and we just blow past that because that's what podcasters do. Uh, that's the Two Scoops morning news show. That's... 7 p.m. Tuesday and Thursday mornings, as long as we feel like doing it that morning. So check that out. It's live tomorrow morning on the uh, System Is Down podcast channel, and then back here at the Break the Bell channel for Thursday's episode. So make sure you check that out. It's 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 a blast. Uh, 
that's all I got to say for this pre-show. That's uh, that the housework we got to do here. You got did. anything? Uh, no, nothing. No. Check us out all over social media. We can't yeah. forget that. If, if the like, smack it. Smack that like button. Smack that subscribe button. Let help us get our YouTube channel back up to what it was before yep, we got so nuked. They can nuke us again. Yes, yes. I mean, the more we get, the better chance we have of Absolutely. getting nuked. So we want to go for number two. So help us out there. Otherwise, um, I'm ready to get Remzo in here yeah. to talk about making money because, I mean, that at the end of the day, that's all I want Absolutely. is to, to make that, what is it, make that bread? Is that what the cool kids are saying these days? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm not, not a cool, kid, cool kid, so I don't know. <laughs> We're going to get into this intro, and when we come back, we are going to be joined by the illustrious Remzo Martinez. We'll be right back. What did you say? You talking to me? What what the heck are you talking about? What did you say? What did you say? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? What did you say? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Well, maybe he was talking to me. What did you say? Talk to me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Remzo Wilfred Martinez. Remzo, you know, I gotta tell you, Bill, it's no longer smack that like button. I'm changing no? the dynamic here. We're calling it spank that like button. Spank, I like it. Spank I like that it. Like, like it owes you money. Yeah, spank yeah. it like a dirty whore. Just go ahead and just spank it. Grab a little and spank it again. Spank well, that well, like button until it turns red. Why do Why do you think uh, Bill's really wearing his sexy panties today? It's not. That's right. it, it, it's so we can get more likes. Spanked likes. Um, we're turning this episode is brought to you by Manscaped. When you gotta go ahead and <laughs> slip to your man panties, you don't want the bush, you know, like breaking out, looking like that place from Avatar. If all the blue people going out, yes. in, in real terms, those are called crabs. But yeah, yeah <laughs> I can just assume. So, uh, Ramzo, as I, I put in the uh, the description of the show, we we tentatively are going to talk about these things, but as Every time you come on the show, that's going to go off the rails immediately, and and you joined us in true fashion, and here we are, off the rails. How's yeah. it going? How you been? It's been a minute. It's yeah, good. It you, you know, at, at the beginning of January of this year, I, I got back from Las Vegas, and Las Vegas has been recovering very, very slowly since the lockdowns of 2020. Oh, I thought you were recovering slowly from your trip to Vegas. I was also recovering slowly from that. You know, this is brought to you by Gatorade and bad decisions. Yeah, no, um, I, I I learned something really interesting when I was there, that they had more money spent in Las Vegas in 2021 than they had people the last five years. Mm -hmm. So you would think that with the drop of people, that would mean there was a drop in money. 
But no, what was happening was Vegas was emptier and people were spending more money. It's because they were getting a certain type of clientele. It's because they were getting people from Dubai. It's because they were getting the rich and wealthy from Europe, which was opening up. It's because they were getting the rich and wealthy from around the world that were coming to Vegas because they knew there were going to be less people there. And because of that, because they're all surrounded by each other, it's a meet the Joneses, you know, it's a compete with the Joneses hmm. effect. Everyone was spending more money. Okay. And that's and that's what we're living through right now. We had a giant stock market crash at the beginning of the year. We had another stock market crash when Russia went ahead and invaded Ukraine. Well, well and now I, we're I entering the economy, into this housing bubble. I thought the economy was booming at the beginning of the year. I, I that's what I heard. It, it was for a little bit, but uh, around mid uh, around early February, we started to see everything dip as Russia was staging. Um, tanks and everything around the mm -hmm. Ukrainian border. That's when you saw a fear dip. Uh, in January, that's when people were saying that with inflation, with the threat of Russia going into Ukraine, people are already selling. So you saw a slight dip in January, and that's when all the bells were going off. That's when people were saying the crash is coming soon. When is it going to happen? Hmm. Well, we've had two crashes this year as a result of that. People usually talk about the crash before it happens, and that preeminates the crash. Sometimes mm -hmm. people don't know whether or not it's a wag the dog situation. Does the tail wag the dog or vice right. versa? And, and that's where we're in. And now, after several months, we have found ourselves in the best recession, non-recession we can imagine, where consumer spending is still up despite gas prices, food prices, electricity, where people are still having um, to go into work. You know, we, we still have those horrendous job numbers from the last year. So it's this weird situation where you're going to see a lot of people talk about, um, well, you know, look, look at the money that's being spent yeah gdp was down two quarters but you know people are still spending money people are still buying shit people are still going to work yeah because they have to buy things right. yeah because yeah. they have to go to work still yeah. so this is a this is a weird time to be alive but i've been yeah. telling people over on the run if you want to make money right now if you want to drastically change your life this is another one of those opportunities 2020 was a big one for a lot of people but we're about to see this be another big opportunity yeah, that's that's why I wanted you to have you on the show because everybody's talking about uh, all the negativity surrounding the economy economy right now. But every time I see you post something, it's like, dude, go out and make fucking money. This this right. is your time to make money. It's like, Ramzo, come on the show and tell people how to make money during this time because um, it's it's not you just saying that. Hey, this uh, recession or whatever we're calling it these days is weird. It's a it's a odd odd situation we're finding ourselves in. Um, I, I popped up this article here that the New York Times said this economic moment rewrites the rules and is pretty much saying the exact same thing. It's saying uh, we're headed for a recession, but many of the markers, it has many of the markers of a boom because like you said, people are spending money. It's There's not a lack of jobs like you see in all, most recessions. There's not like a lack of... Um, I don't know, work out there. There's plenty of jobs out there. It's it's like the opposite. It's not like the supply's too high and the demand's too low. It's the opposite. The demand's too high, but the supply's too low when it comes right. to not only uh, the jobs, but also oh, I got to products. fight that in the in the housing market this last year when you know we got a new house. I mean, trying to get a house, I mean, they were gone like that. It was just insane. Mm -hmm. So what do you see? I mean, look at how it is for cars still. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. So, so yeah, what, what what are you seeing with all this right now? I I went ahead and on my uh, on my Substack, which people can find at remso.substack.com, I I've gone ahead and written some pieces there. Gombe sent out to 
email subscribers throughout the week. So I highly recommend people go ahead and subscribe to that in between episodes of On the Run um, because things are changing drastically. And one of the things that I went ahead and wrote last night, which I'm, I'm going to review again and send out within a day or so, is, you know, what, I, what am I doing with my money? Now, I, I'm not a financial advisor legally. I have to tell people that I'm just a guy on the internet. If you make, if you make uh, the same choices I'm making and things go bad for you, well, that's a that, that's a horrible idea, and you should listen to. It. But for those of you that want to know what I'm doing, because so far I've been pretty much right about the last two years, especially predicting what the Biden economy would look like. Um, here, here's how it is: people are buying stuff. What are the rich buying though? They're buying assets. What mm -hmm. we're seeing in China, India, and other developing countries is that they're buying gold. You hear that and you think we're in like a World War II scenario mm -hmm. where the United States is still on the gold standard and where gold is still, um, you know, the, the standard of which we're trading things in a pre-dollar dominant economy. So we're seeing people go back to that. Uh, BlackRock and Vanguard were the number one purchasers of residential real estate in 2021. That's scary. I mean, they're pushing us towards a renter's nation. Yeah. And beyond that, still, if people want to go ahead and make something of themselves, despite all the shit going on, especially everything that happened a couple of years ago, this is still one of the best opportunities ever because the Internet is still the great equalizer for many mm -hmm. people. Uh, the United States had more millionaires come out of 2020 than at any other point in the past decade. And I think 2021 saw more people leave. That's why we had the great resignation. So my advice to people is this. If you had that six months emergency savings, the Dave Ramsey method all down, you were fine. But just working your one job can only go so far. Just hoping that your boss won't get rid of you is only something you can rely on so much. Something I talk about regularly is cash flow having multiple streams of active and passive income because you have to be able to have three things right now. You have to be able to move as quickly as you possibly can. And I'm talking physically remote work for a lot of people is out of reach, but you have to be in an opportunity where if things were to change, your job is something that can quickly move to remote. For some people, that's going to be hard to, depending on their industry. But sadly, that's just one of the truths. If you can't move quickly, if you can't work from anywhere in the world, you're going to have a bad time. Mm -hmm. Secondly, if you don't have you know two to three extra additional sources of active and passive income, the type of things I talk about on my show, what you're doing is you're increasing the timeline for how long it's going to take you to not only retire, but also be financially independent. The one good thing that came out of the lockdowns is that more Americans, I think 30% of Americans with a bank account finally opened up a savings account and filled it with at least $500. Mm. Your average American has less than $1,000 in savings. I think one in six Americans has $1,000 in savings. If you didn't have that, things were going to be rough. But I, I mentioned that because, um, you know, th things get things get hard. You could go ahead and be in a situation where can you go ahead and re-up that cash supply should something happen? You lose a job. Um, you know, your kid has a medical bill or something. Having that money come in that you don't even have to worry about. You know it's there. You pay it and you're still investing. You're still buying other assets and goods and resources. You're good. And, and then the third thing is understanding how are you your best advocate? A lot of people online, a lot of um, entrepreneurial influencers and stuff, they're going to tell you, quit your job, eat rice and beans, live in a dumpster, wear a garbage bag and hustle until you become a millionaire. But I, I mean, I, I think I'm proof, especially over the past year where I, I became a private investor in a large, um, you know, 
business here that was a small business. That's a large business here in Milwaukee. And I went ahead and became uh, a partner with a silent partner of mine in a drop shipping business that we're launching soon. So it was finding ways where I can work my day job, which is the primary source of my income and my number one generator for wealth, but still find a few hours throughout the week to do everything I'm doing contract work, side hustle work, starting a business in one way, shape or form. The more things that you own, the more things that you can take ownership of, the more rare and specialized skills you can obtain. So that way you're regularly working and bringing in more money. Um, that that's going to help you. And I mean, it's not just a recession thing. When, when I got married earlier in, uh, in the summer, um, you know, I told my wife, you know, uh, we can probably do a couple of months and then you're probably going to have to go out and find a job soon. So that way both of us are working. Like, mm. what if something happens to me? What if I can't work? Right. And, uh, you know, we were, we were taking a trip to see family in Michigan in July. And I just realized that this is the most amount of time I've spent with her in about a year. Cause mm. I came out here by myself. Yeah. And I had to build up from stage one. So I looked at her and I said, sweetheart, how about you take the month of August off and we just spend time together and, and we just go on some trips and we just have fun. We just, you know, catch up for long times. And not many people can do that. Not many people can. I was able to buy my time back with her. And that's, that's a freedom that a lot of people don't have, especially now. Have I had, have I felt the pinch of things? Oh, absolutely. But you know, I, I had a plan for how to handle things as everything got more expensive. A lot of people didn't. Mm. So those three things are, are just the baseline of what people really need to consider when dealing with the situation recession or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to get more into like, you talking about how to make money, save money, all that stuff. Um, what was what did you see going into? Because you said you said for the last two years you predict predicted all the stuff. Especially, I mean, I think anybody with the slightest bit of brain in their head could have seen the Biden economy turning into what it turned into. But but explain more of what you're talking about, how um, you predicted basically the last two years, specifically this year. Like, what did you see going into 2022 that you're like, this is what's going to happen. I need to I need to do something ahead of the game. It, it was the ballooning in which we were printing money at unprecedented amounts. That had been something that uh, people like Dr. Tom Woods and others had been preaching to people since I was in college that we can't go ahead and continue to print our way into prosperity. And what we saw in 2020 was that we're, we were just spending money on stupid shit. That giant, that giant spending bill that Trump went ahead and passed with the Republicans and the Democrats that mm. gave us all a few thousand dollars, less than 1% of that overall uh, COVID relief bill, the CARES Act, I think is what it was mm. called. Less yeah. than 1% of it actually went out to direct payments. And then you know, not much more went towards aid, uh, research for the vaccines and all this other emergency relief. It was going to Howard College. It was going to the Kennedy Center. It was mm. paying mm. for congressional office upgrades and jet upgrades and all this other stuff. And it was a giant spending spree because right. they don't like to pass taxes anymore. They don't like to increase taxes. That's why they went ahead and, um, you know, they're going to go ahead and create 87 
thousand more IRS agents because it's <laughs> unpopular to be the person that increased taxes when you voted on that. But you can go ahead and add 87,000 more goons to go ahead and enforce the current laws, which are horrible. And on top of that, you just go ahead and continue to print money. Yeah. Um, so, so that was the biggest thing for me. But also, you know, we, we have this economy where you had a lot, you had two different types of people. You had the people that stayed home because they were making more money on welfare and other extended benefits that weren't sunsetting, depending on what state you were living. And then you had the people resigning from their current jobs because they either took better opportunities or they started businesses. So right there, what you had was you had a giant you know, chasm between most people. I, I can't go to most fast food restaurants outside of Milwaukee now because mm -hmm. there's barely anyone working. There. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have all this opportunity, you have all this free money floating around. And then that brings us into the, the, the student loan thing. And if I'm getting a head stop, me. Oh, like, no, no, no. I, go wherever so you want is, with it. <laughs> this is my first time talking about it. I haven't done an episode or talked about it at all. If you're going to get and it still hasn't been approved. I think people are jumping the gun already, planning yeah. the party of their ten thousand mm -hmm. dollars that they'll go ahead and <laughs> you know um, celebrate with. Don't pop the champagne yet because it hasn't been passed. But should it pass and you have student loans, good for you, right? Why not at this point? Yeah, because money doesn't matter anymore. Money's not <laughs> right. real. Well, we it's like so the... much money. We put so much money into everything else. If they're gonna do something for you, even though it's gonna hurt us all later. Take advantage of it. Well, it's going to hurt you anyway. It's like we had talked about the stimulus thing. Yeah, we, we thought it was freaking retarded yeah. to uh, pass this stupid stimulus bill and this $2,000 that's not going to do really do jack for us right. personally. I mean, yeah, it helped for what, like three weeks maybe? Um, but <laughs> it's just like you get people that's like, well, I— uh, if you don't believe in the, the stimulus bill, then maybe you shouldn't take that money. It's like, fuck yeah, I'm still going to take the money right. because I'm going to be paying for that money in the long run anyway. So I'm going to take the money. It's like the student loan thing. It's like, yeah, I've got, I don't got $150,000 in student debt, but I got a little bit of debt and I'll take that free money because yeah. I'm paying for it in the end. In the end, my taxpayer money is going to be paying for it. So why wouldn't I take advantage of it? Yeah. This is a giant distraction. And I oh, mean, yeah. people it are is. like, oh, we shouldn't do it. Well, they're going to do it. They're they're bribing the population of their own money. Oh, yeah. And my thing is, like, if, if your life is going to be drastically impacted by this in a positive way, you have an obligation to yourself and to others to make something good out of it. Uh, to try and generate a better opportunity because of it. Shannon says, Remza, what about the 18-year-olds who went into the military because they're trying not to take loans out? What about Sucks to be them? Oh, what about that's what I did. I I I did that. Yeah, yeah, like I did that. And you know what? Like I'm not mad. Yeah. Everyone is a victim of this system. Everyone is. And I'm not gonna be mad at people who are happy about this because I think they should struggle more. Mm -hmm. Everyone's gonna struggle. The money's not real. And I'm not saying that facetiously. It's literally not no, real. Yeah, I, right. I've been saying Absolutely. for the past year, you know, black people want reparations, fucking print it. It right. just goes to the same people. Yeah. It yeah. all just goes to Jeff Bezos at the end of the day. It's yeah. true. It's absolutely true. Um, my whole issue. Well, first of all, back to what she was saying about the military. I've seen several posts that are like, well, the military already has an issue with uh, with recruiting right now. So if we take away this this recruiting tool from them, how are they going to recruit? Well, then on the 
the same token, uh, what was it, Ford and, or no, uh, Dodge and Chevy decided to discontinue their uh, muscle cars. So there's that. there's another reason for people not to enlist because the the young 18-year-old enlistees always yeah. buy the muscle cars. So if there's no muscle cars and there's no free college, why the fuck would anybody enlist in the military anymore? So this is a sad Yeah, day there for are the barely military. any strip clubs anymore because all the strippers and hooters waitresses went to OnlyFans. Right. So who were the, who were the young enlistees going to marry? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, like what benefits really are there anymore for? I mean, they're trying to give away free health care. They're trying to give away free college. They're getting rid of the muscle cars and the strippers are going away. So all the benefits of yeah, joining the military, no military are just anymore. out the window now. <laughs> I mean, I would still argue the military outside of very, very selected union jobs is the only place where you still have a guaranteed pension. Yeah. Um, you know, I know several people who will be retiring as 06 is at the end of 2021 and they're getting half their pension. Now that it was 20 years plus, mm -hmm. it was a lot, you know, it was a lot of time and stress and they barely survived some of it. So like, you know, there, there's a cost to that, but at, at the same time, um, you know, it's like, it, it's, they're looking at it from like the worst way possible. Yeah. What we need to understand is like, what's this going to do? Because the bills still have to be paid. The, the, the debt isn't just wiped off. Right. It's going to impact creditors. And if people right. thought that things were already kind of freaky, that, you know, inflation is still going up and what is the Fed doing? They're rising interest rates. Mm -hmm. And at the same time in the economy, what we're seeing is stagflation in which we're seeing prices go up to pay for employees. And that causes the price of goods and services to go up. But at the same time, people are spent are not spending as much as they need to compensate for that. Mm -hmm. So now everything is expensive and no one has money to buy anything. Right. Uh, so to kind of play devil's advocate for the, with the, the whole student loan thing, I mean, I, I thought of it and it's just like, well, you borrowed the fucking money. Why, why can't you pay it back? It's the same with a mortgage. It's the same with freaking a car loan or something like that. But um, playing the flip side of that, I got this graphic here of the percent change in college costs versus the change in average wages for the last 40 years, since 1980. And you can see quite a difference there. Well, fuck yeah, because they they know that the government is yeah. gonna pay it, right? So they're, they're hey, let's get that hot tub for in the in the teachers' lounge. Yeah, we'll you throw know. in a freaking free car to every student too. Right. It's, yeah, it's like uh, when when the federal government started guaranteeing yeah. college loans in the first place. That's when the freaking price of college started going up because they're like, well, we're going to get this money. That's it's why they it's have, like the housing bubble in 2008. Right. It's and like we know that's why they have all new sports fields. That's why they have all new fitness facilities. I mean, it, it's just they, they know it's going to get paid. So why not? So this to me shows like a scam in the education system it to is. begin with. So when when they come back, they're like, hey, you guys don't have to pay this off. It's like, oh, those poor colleges, they were. They'll still raise tuition. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They'll they raise, it'll get paid again. Yeah. They'll be like, because I've already seen people that are like, well, I'm glad this is getting paid off because then I'll go on to pursue my doctorate's degree. It's like, so you're Russian borrow philosophy. More, more fucking money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if people were making bad decisions before this, they're going to continue to make bad decisions. Sure. It's There's just, no it's just like with the stimulus checks. You know, I, I used to be a tepid supporter of the idea of universal basic income. 
because mm. Milton Friedman used to say, if you go ahead and just guarantee people X amount of money a year, you can go ahead and use that as an opportunity to end the welfare state. It's impersonal. You get it once. You can't get more. It goes to everybody so it's fair and no one can complain. Mm -hmm. But what we found is that it doesn't. Everyone just complains. Everyone gets something more. And it makes everything more personal for everybody. Right. And it, it's um, it's at this point where it's like, you know, it, it's another giant wealth transfer. What we saw yeah. in 2020 with those stimulus checks and everything else, it, it went ahead and just made the rich richer and the poor poor. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us just got stuck in between wondering, like, which way is this going? Because the money seems to just be evaporating as soon as it hits us. I use my money. Uh, I use my stimulus check to pay my taxes mm -hmm. in 2020. <laughs> like it was Stick it was it like the they man. gave it to me and I was like gone. And it's like, you know. What, what, what the hell happened? I mean, just look at Amazon alone. I know I beat up on Amazon a lot. You've got like the Reason Magazine libertarians who are frothing at the mouth, you know, getting ready to oil up Jeff Bezos' chest and stuff. But at the same time, it's like, you know, growing up, we used to say, oh, no, Walmart is destroying our local businesses. And mm -hmm. now what, what's going on? Oh, my God. Amazon, Amazon. is destroying right. the local Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> That's where we're at. And we saw so, that. I mean, we yeah. saw that really hard during uh, the the lockdowns, when the first right. stimulus came out, we saw, hey, this what two hundred fifty million billion dollars or whatever, right. and what did and like we did a side by side comparison of the money that went into that stimulus and the amount that Amazon's stock went up, and it was like virtually exactly yeah. the same because everything else was shut down. Where is everybody else going to spend? Where is right. everybody going to spend that stimmy money? It's going to be on Amazon because it was the only place to fucking buy things. Right. So so we yeah, were just I, gave I, Jeff Bezos a raise. Is all we did. Yeah, I, I took a I took a gamble in 2020. I think it was in in March or April when you saw the big COVID crash, as they were referring to it as, and then we had like the quickest recovery ever, like within a month. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I, I took a large chunk of my savings, and this is within the same month that my workload was tripled and my salary was cut 10% of the job I had, and that was the only source of income I had. Mm -hmm. um, so I took I, I took a large chunk of my savings, more than half, and, and I went ahead and put it into uh, a couple of um, of companies that are within the S&P 500, mm -hmm. and I threw it into a few S&P 500-oriented ETFs. And by the end of the year, by doing a little bit of trading, which I tell people not to do because I got very lucky, I walked out with way more money in the beginning of 2021 than I had initially invested. Now, am I telling people always buy the dip each time it happens? Absolutely not. I still dollar cost average every month, and I still have a good number. I still have a good amount of cash that when I see those big crashes, I just treat it like a Kmart blue light sale and buy <laughs> companies I would have bought anyway. Yeah, but. I mean that I, I was a I, I was a rarity, and mm -hmm. compared to some people I know um, who who I network with and stuff, I made very little money. It was a lot of money in perspective to what I was making and what I had. I look back and I'm like, that's not a lot of money compared to who I am several years later. But I mean, it, it just came down to like, what are we doing? And I, I look at where I was at. At the beginning of 2020, I thought it was going to be the best year ever because I'm like, maybe I'll get a 1% raise. I'll get to go on a few trips and, uh, you know, th this will be great. And maybe if I'm good within two years, we'll get promotion. Mm -hmm. what, what 2020 forced me to do is what I think every recession does. And we see this in 2008 where we had many, many, many new businesses and companies spring up. Um, that we would have never anticipated. That was one of the best years for Netflix back when Netflix was still mailing 
DVDs and video games to people. People forgot forget about that. They used to to mail DVDs Mm. to you and they didn't have late fees and the late fees are what killed Blockbuster. But, um, you know, what what it forced me to do is it, it forced me to take my life into account. And the truth is, if your life sucked when the recession wasn't here, the recession will make it worse. And if you can be comfortable during a recession, you will be more than comfortable when things do get better because ultimately things do do get better because you got some people out there who are like, Oh, this is the end of everything. This is the end of the dollar, the end of the United States. Here's my thing, man. If we're at the end of the United States, here's the truth. You're not here. Mm-hmm. You're dead. Right. So then it won't matter whatever you do. So you might as well understand that things are most likely going to recover. They'll suck. We'll always have challenges, but this recession is temporary, whether it lasts a couple of months or a couple of years, we've seen multi-year recessions. 2008 was considered a multi-year recession. That was still, you know, mainly Obama and McCain's fault, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's just how it is. So this is an opportunity for you to really make a giant stride in your life personally and professionally and ultimately financially. And if you fuck it up now, you might not get this opportunity back for a long time. Mm. And when you do, it's going to get harder because for me to do some of the things I wanted to do this time, as I was looking at opportunities and challenges, it's harder for me than it was a couple of years ago. And I've got way more at my disposal now in terms of Mm. network skills, finances, and it's still a challenge, but it's a challenge I'd rather have. Mm -hmm. Let's uh, go back to the the student loan stuff real quick, Um, because like like you said, it hasn't passed and everybody's freaking out about it in one way, whether it's a good thing or a horrible thing, people are freaking out about it. But um, I got this here that that kind of... I mean, when you're you're thinking ten thousand dollars, twenty thousand max that they're, they're they're knocking off. I got this. Uh, this is somebody's personal college portfolio or whatever right here, and it says um, their their original balance loan balance was one hundred seventy five thousand eight hundred ninety dollars. Holy shit! Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what did they go to school for? For and where did they go? First of all, they currently pay a monthly payment of one thousand and sixty two dollars. They've made 10 years and four months worth of pay. They've paid off $131,000, and their total balance is $8 more than the original amount that they borrowed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've spent $131,000, and they owe more than what they originally borrowed 10 years later. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the $10,000 isn't even going to put a freaking right. like dent into that yeah. price, and... I mean, $130,000 didn't put a dent in that price. Yeah. So what if, if the debt forgiveness is not the solution, and I think we can all agree that the whole education like financing system, the college financing system, is really fucked, what is the solution for all of this if it's not debt forgiveness? What, what, I guess buy votes. Well, I mean, no, I mean, like, how do you fix this? Edu- oh, I, obviously, this is just to buy votes. But yeah. but if this doesn't fix it, is there a solution to this? Or um, do we just encourage kids to go to trade schools rather than colleges? Like, like well, what, yeah. what do you suggest to people in these situations? Two, two things. One, one's a prediction. The other one is a solution to the current situation we're in. The prediction is they are setting this up to fail because they'll go ahead and do this and then they'll say they didn't go far enough mm-hmm. and then they'll they'll complain about how it went. 
And then this is an excuse to push towards the total uh, nationalization of public schools, yeah. of, of public colleges. They, yeah. they will all just become free. Yeah. Right. And then your, your they thems can go get their gender study degrees <laughs> and everything else. And that, that's ultimately what they're pushing for. Sometimes mm -hmm. government initially set, intentionally sets up things to fail. Mm -hmm. So then they can go ahead and say that it's because people didn't allow them to do enough. Right. And then they get what they wanted and more. And you hear that and, in Congress. You hear like the Bernie Sanders, the right. Elizabeth Warrens out there like or the AOCs like, well, this ain't enough. Right. Or what was AOC? She's like 24 Hundred dollars yeah, is twenty four hundred dollars, yeah. not two thousand yeah. dollars. And so, yeah, you hear that from Congress, the Congress that passes it. They're like, this isn't enough. And it's like, well, here comes more. Here right. comes another wave of it. This just this is just kind of like setting us up to it, it's kind of grooming us yeah. towards accepting more so, government. money. So, so are the, the few conservatives out there that are like. Hey, we gotta we gotta tighten the belt, you know, if we're gonna get this deficit paid out. I mean, are they just like blowing smoke because it's like you said, money doesn't matter at this point. We're we're beyond like actual figures of money as far as like what we're doing and and printing and and the the vision that our government has for things. It's like they don't care. Remember that bill that that big stimulus bill that Obama pushed through in 2009 after he got inaugurated, mm -hmm. and I remember. That the debt was under twenty trillion dollars. It was way below that. Um, it, the bill was only in like the. I don't think it was even in the. I think it was like in the low billions. It was like a few billion dollars or something. And I remember people saying that spending this would be like the end of the world. Right. We have passed like hundreds of those bills yeah. between two thousand nine and just in the past month, and mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. And it's only been within a decade. Um, you know, the, the, the Bitcoin people uh, make me laugh because you have a bunch of people hoarding Bitcoin and, you know, they're, they're the HODL community and everything else. And I, I, I still think, you know, it, it's better to have some crypto than not. That's just a side tangent. I've been telling my father that it's like, Dad, it's better to have some exposure to Bitcoin and other stuff than not. But, you know, it gets to the point where it's like, what's the point of being a millionaire on paper? If you're still eating ramen noodles, living in a shack, and you're not right. spending, right? Well, because ultimately, Bitcoin's not a deflationary currency. Mm -hmm. That's its benefit, but I also think that's a economic, you know, pitfall for a lot of people because you got to spend eventually, and that's why I go back to cash flow. I, I have people who are friends of mine who live in the Beltway of DC, who are uh, part of the military-industrial complex. They're contractors, and they make a ton of money. Now, when you take into account where they live, lifestyle, inflation, debt, and everything else, they're living in like a small studio apartment, still eating ramen noodles, even though on their on their taxes and everything, it shows that they're doing really well, but they're really not. And it's because they, they didn't go ahead and think about what they really wanted to do. Did they really just want to have the nice office and tell people they could buy a Tesla or did they want to buy back their options? Did they want to buy back their time? Did they want financial freedom? Because no matter what people want to do in their life, the truth is this money is the most important thing in the world. It absolutely is because it's the only thing that tells you to tell other people to fuck off. And <laughs> if you don't have that, it doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how talented you are. I can feed myself and my wife and I could probably feed my family if something happens to my parents or my brother or, or cousins or whatever. I can do that. I don't know a lot of people that can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> 
I mean, that, that says a lot. I mean, you, you had talked about a couple minutes ago, and I was going to bring up the fact that you said uh, 2020 pumped out more millionaires than any other year. And it's like, what, what, what does that—like, right. what is a millionaire nowadays when inflation goes up with it? It's like being considered a millionaire is like five years ago being considered somebody that had $200,000 in the bank or something. Right. It, it, like, it doesn't really even seem—like, it sounds it sounds nice. Like, my, mm-hmm. my 12-year-old would be like, oh, he's a millionaire. But to me, I'm like— Eh, how far is a million dollars really going to get right. you these days? Like, like how many what, how what, many millionaires under the age of thirty do you know? Uh, not not uh, personally none. <laughs> I know I know one, mm-hmm. and I've talked to him about this, and he's somebody I served in the army with. I, I won't give out his name because I've always told him like I, I want to use him as as an example, but he wants to keep his privacy. But he went ahead and uh, w- went to went to school, served in the army, got out, went in some really hard times. And w- what he did was he went ahead and created a patent for a fire extinguishing system in uh, in massive semi trucks. Because, okay. you know, it was it, it was a problem of trucks catching on fire or something. I didn't really know. But he was a civil engineer and he he wanted to go ahead and do that. And uh, Heil Trucking went ahead and bought the patent for that device for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. And they gave him a large suitcase of cash. And he immediately did was uh, he set up the contract. So every year they're giving him another X amount of millions of dollars on top of the large amount of cash they gave him. In 2020, when businesses were going under, when people were immediately selling off assets and buildings in his small North Carolina community, what he did was he went and got a couple duffel bags full of cash. And what he did was he went around town buying all the buildings and businesses that were for sale. Oh wow! And he turned it. He turned it into like Pottersville from <laughs> "It's a Wonderful Life," except yes. he wasn't a dick. But what he did was he he went ahead and used that money to create so many different areas of cash flow to diversify so much to leverage debt. You know, people mm-hmm. don't really understand how debt works. Debt can be an asset sometimes. It sounds oxymoronic, but it can. And what he did was he set himself up so he never has to work again. And even yeah. after the recession, he built an orphanage. He did that. He built an orphanage. Wow. He donated money to uh, a school and in an Indian reservation. He owns multiple houses. He started other businesses. Being a millionaire might not be much. He sounds like an evil capitalist. Yeah, evil capitalists, you know, all the orphans are horrible. I mean, you know, that type of stuff. But like, you know, it does still matter. Even in today's day and age, like I would rather be a millionaire than anything else. And that's also the point of my show. The the purpose of On the Run is to catalog my journey from where I was when I was just working, you know, making under like around 45 a year a couple of years ago working in media, all my path to financial independence to try and be a millionaire before I'm 38 so I could be semi I retired and work for the things I love and not for money because I have the options. Right. And if people look at this and they're like, oh, he said money's the most important thing in the world. Look at everything that runs your life. Everything we're doing mm. is for money. It's about what you do with it that matters. But yeah, I mean, it's it's how it is. I would rather be a millionaire. And I think a lot of other people would because in, in the days that are coming, when they're going to make us eat the grasshoppers and the crickets and shit, I'm going to be eating prime rib. And they will have to go ahead and pull that shit from my cold, dead hands because I will not eat crickets. And you'll have the money to tell them to fuck off. I'll have the money to tell them to fuck off. 
And um, even that, now I don't tell people like, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't, don't want to make it sound like I'm anything. I'm not, I'm not a millionaire right now. I have fuck around money, but you know what I do have right now? I have fuck around and find out money. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. Back to what you're saying about money being the most important thing. Yeah. It's not money. Isn't happiness. But when you are spending your entire life making money just to survive and not having any time for any sort of happiness, mm-hmm. then, then yeah, I can see what you're saying, that money is the most important because then it frees up your time to actually yeah. enjoy something in life instead of just working your ass off, mm-hmm. coming home, working some more, and then going to sleep and getting up to drive to work again. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, money doesn't buy happiness, but no, money it, sure it, gives you a lot of room to have it, happiness. It buys freedom. Money can, money, can, money can absolutely buy happiness. Have you ever seen a man crying in a Bugatti? <laughs> <laughs> Only when he's probably about to go through a divorce and his wife's going to take his Bugatti. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's a, probably the only time. So, um, so I, I want to keep going. I want to get more into your personal take on making money here in a little bit, but I want to keep going with like the federal government's fuck up of the economy and your take on that and how we can survive that. What's your thoughts on? We've talked a little bit about it. I don't know if you've talked about it. What's your What's your thoughts on the uh, the Inflation Reduction Act? I put that in air quotes. If anybody couldn't see that, it uh, it does not do anything about inflation i know that much what's really funny is even npr the like most left-wing uh radio radio public publicly funded radio station they quoted saying because this article is titled what the inflation reduction act does and doesn't do about rising prices so basically it says uh it'll give you cheaper health care and uh, cheaper energy costs but um, it really doesn't do any. It says the bill will make small steps to help bring inflation back to normal levels, which I don't agree with that. No. But it says uh, the p- package, which was first of all, they talk about it being a uh, like cutting the def- the federal deficit by right. like I think they said three hundred five billion dollars. But if you look here, it says the package includes three hundred sixty nine billion in new spending, and then three hundred billion in new uh, new taxes or new revenue that, so i don't get where they get 300 billion dollars well, it's of, the eighty-seven thousand irs agents going and oh, getting the money from but, everybody but they got a <laughs> but but that, door to door that's the 300 billion in new revenue i right. guess yeah so so i i'm not sure how their math math adds up to 305 billion in, uh right. deficit cutting but it doesn't make sense to me but um the, the key part here is it says it's unlikely the vast majority of households will see a direct impact on their taxes and, and it basically said uh, there's really no like noticeable impact on inflation on this. It says the proposal won't help curb in- inflation dramatically nor right away. So why are we calling this the Inflation yeah. Reduction Act if it's not even going to curb inflation? Like, what's the point here? Same reason they called uh, the massive expansion of the surveillance state the Patriot Act, because who's against patriotism? Right? Yeah. It's America. Um, you know, I, I, I have a question before I answer that, though. Yep. Are you two going to vote this November? I don't oh, even I know what I would vote for. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's ultimately what it comes down to, because Republicans 
Uh, I I do not believe they're going to see a giant red wave. And Mm -hmm. if they do see a slight victory, it's going to be a trickle, kind of like what it was for 2018. If anything, I think Republicans deserve to lose um, any shot of the majority more than uh, the Democrats deserve to earn it because, you know, no one is held accountable for the rioting and for the mm. massive lockdowns and how they destroyed people's lives just two years ago. No one has been held accountable. Mm. I would be talking about that all the time. Right. No one's talking about rising crime. No one's talking about how meat is up 15% from just six months ago, how gas was a dollar fifty a year ago, and now it's, you know, more than three fifty right. now. It's four twenty five where my parents are for regular and let it. And they're not talking about that. They're talking about well, the Inflation Reduction Act does this, and over time, and student loans. And it's like shut the hell yeah. up. It's it's controlled opposition at this point. Right. And, and what I'm getting at is nobody is coming to save you. This is not a God helps those who help right. themselves situation. But it comes to the point where you just need to look at people and say we're done. This doesn't work. Um, not meant, you know. Some people are going to criticize me. They're like, "Well, Remzo, if we all stopped voting, then they would take over and all this." I'm not talking they, to you. They already I'm not did talking that to too. People. Yeah, like here's the thing. Some people are just going to be indoctrinated and pushed into slavery, according to the WEF. That's just how right. it is. Mm-hmm. I'm not. We're not trying to save the war- world here, guys. What we need to do is we need to go ahead and get a bunch of Bugatti driving bandits. And I'm speaking hyperbolically, <laughs> but this is really what it's coming down to. It's why they got rid of Andrew Tate from online. I mean, um, he wasn't he wasn't kicked off because, he, you know, he, he whipped his girlfriend in a weird sex act that you know was consensual. He got kicked off because he was calling out the WEF. He was calling out Bilderberg. He was calling out all these groups. It's coming to the point where, listen, if you understand those things I talked about, which is un- create new and uh, rare and specialized skills have multiple streams of income and have that entrepreneurial spirit to be able to turn cash flow on like spigots and everything else. You will be fine as long as you have access to constantly reoccurring money that's coming to you. You're gonna be okay. It's the people that are holding Bitcoin who you know they're, they're gonna be living in a trailer hoping that those eighty-seven thousand IRS agents don't go ahead and kick them down looking for their uh, hard wallet. It's those people I worry about. It's everyone else who's still just working one job. They don't have one side hustle. They're living paycheck to paycheck. Those are the people I worry about. But sadly, a lot of people aren't going to get it. I can't help those people. We can't help those people. But all we can do is understand for those who are tired of waiting for another political messiah to come that, listen, you can't depend on another man, but you can depend on your own actions. Mm-hmm. It's about freaking time because things are getting harder. Things will not continue to get better, especially if you do nothing to better your immediate circumstances. Mm-hmm. And despite all of this, my life and my lifestyle is better now than it was before the lockdowns. And that sounds like a weird thing to say when you right. look at how everyone's lives have been impacted. But the truth is, if you control your immediate space, if you have as many options as possible, if you focused on those three things I've been hitting on, you're going to make it. You will survive. You will live. Okay? Mm-hmm. And you won't eat the damn crickets. <laughs> <laughs> ah! Go to breakthebell.bigcartel.com and buy our I Won't Eat Your Bugs t-shirt. <laughs> you don't know how much I love that. I didn't. I, I must have missed an episode or two because I didn't know you were selling that. Oh, oh I've been selling it for a couple months now. Um, let me let me see if I can pull up the, the actual image it of it. I love that. And it's it's. 
it's one of my favorites for sure because it it fits so well in what's going on. And when I the funny thing is, and I've talked about this before on this show, the funny thing is when I released it, I had one individual that hasn't talked to me since high school um, that just happens to still be a friend on Facebook, and she was like, she like private messaged me, and she's like, uh, what do you? Like, what is this? So, like, nobody's trying to make you eat damn bugs. Um, uh, they just want you, you to... You will eat the bugs, and you yeah. will live in the pod, and you will own nothing and be happy. Yes. So, and she was like, they just want you to have more sustainable, uh, like, agriculture. I'm fine with more yeah. sustainable agriculture. I, I fully agree with all that bullshit, but... You, you um, know what I'm doing, Craig? You know what I'm doing? What are you doing? It's called mental jujitsu. <laughs> Escape the bullshit. But then... Evade. Fast forward, why is this not opening? Uh, fast forward like six months later, and every article you see is about like cockro- drinking cockroach, cockroach milk, milk or eating cricket burgers and yeah. stuff. And it's just like, um, somebody wants us to eat the bugs. Yeah. And, and all this crazy nonsense that I was <laughs> spitting, what, six months ago is actually real life right now. So here, here's the design right here. I love that. I love that so much. It says, I won't eat your bugs. It's a picket sign. And it says, proud member of the anti-cricket brigade. And that is actually, uh, C.D. McRae actually said she's she's wants to form an anti-cricket brigade. And so, like, immediately I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm stealing your idea. And I stole it. And here's count, the shirt. Count me as a member. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Cartel.com. You can buy that shirt and join the anti-cricket brigade. So uh, do it right now. After the show, I don't know. So, so yeah. Uh, where, where, where did we get here? What were we talking about? We Ramzo was doing his uh, Klaus Schwab. Oh yeah, his best Klaus Schwab impression. Yeah, you were saying that you weren't going. You were going to be eating uh, your medium rare steak, and they'd have to pry it for from your cold dead hands. That's where we. Oh, but are either of you are either of you part of the most prestigious exclusive club in America? Which one's that? Mile High Club. <laughs> I'm not. Costco. Costco. No. Oh no, no. They're, they're, oh, I heard they have why? really good hot dogs though. Do they? It's the only thing that can stave inflation. The Costco hot dog. Yes. There, there was um. There was a Bloomberg article I think back in uh, March April that was written by this economist that went ahead and said that uh yeah Costco might give you great savings on things and they might have a direct uh direct line to uh, meat packers and manufacturers and stuff like that but if you go to Costco they'll give you free samples and if you get the free samples you'll be more likely to impulse spend so no, you should cancel no, your Costco no. membership and it's like bitch Costco is the only thing that has kept me fed do you know how Costco they, as yeah. as a child I remember it wasn't Costco, it was Sam's Club. My my parents had a Sam's Club membership and on Sunday, a lot of Sundays we would go there and they would buy a couple normal things and then we would eat lunch by eating samples oh, around yeah. Sam's Club. I do Club. that at high V all the time. Yeah, it's like, no, I just saved probably yeah. uh my family probably 40 bucks on yeah. on lunch because we just ate samples. We didn't buy any of that shit. We never yeah. bought what the samples were. It's like, you can find the sample. It's, bitch, I don't care. Yeah. I just want, it's yeah. free right here. Why would I go buy it over there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Costco has, Costco still has meat. And Costco uh, beef and steak and pork has not gone up. There's always chicken available. Uh, whereas many local grocery stores uh, have had a hard time doing that. And even if they do have it, it's gotten 
you know, crazy expensive. I haven't had to pay gas uh, full price like many people because I get my gas mainly at Costco. Mm-hmm. And it's been hard now because now I've got to fill up my wife's car and she takes premium. Okay. So, you know, I've got a hybrid. She's got premium car. We got to make it work somehow. <laughs> and, uh, you know, <laughs> once a week we'll go to Costco because we live near it and I can feed both of us and include dessert in the meal for under $8. There you go. And, yeah. and it's like, you know, what, what I'm getting at is it's not a pitch for Costco, but it's a picture of these people who are these self-anointed experts that are getting published in Bloomberg, who are yeah. going and speaking at Davos with the World Economic Forum. It has nothing to do with making your life better. Right. They hate you, mm-hmm. and they're getting you ready for slavery and servitude. Yeah. And that's all it is. They are trying to make you do less so they can do more. Yeah. How many uh, crickets do you think those like elitists at the the Davos meetings are actually going to be eating? No, no. I, baby, I, babies. I know. Uh, my when I designed this T-shirt here, uh, my daughter saw it and she's like. Why would they want us to eat bugs? And she's 14 now, so I, I obviously have to mold her squishy right. brain uh, because she's in the public school system. So I got to keep her questioning everything. Um, so um, I'm like, because uh, they they want you to eat bugs so all these rich people at the top, the rich 1%, can eat all the steaks. And she's like, why the hell do they? She, she said, why do they want to eat all our steaks? I was like, because they're greedy bastards. That's right. all I know. Yeah. Remzo, did you yeah, see the uh, exactly. that little promo video for the uh, smart city in Saudi Arabia, the line? Have you seen that? The line. No. Join. Oh my gosh, we I wish I had that video pulled up. Yeah. It's basically this like because um we did years ago, like back at the start of the show, we did an episode about Agenda 2030 and how the whole kind of concept is to force everybody into these into right. metro areas and like smaller and smaller and tighter squeeze like modern met- day feudalism yeah met- metropolitan areas so that the um and then they'll pretty much lock us off from the environment from like nature and stuff so nature can flourish and it'll basically right. be like uh, only a chosen few will even be allowed to go into the natural area. Wasn't it that Matt Damon movie where he has to go ahead and get up into that big rich person city in space so that way he can cure his daughter's cancer or oh, something? Yeah. No, I I know what you're talking about, but no, that's not what yeah. I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, this, this Saudi Arabia introduced, it's like 150 kilometers long, yeah. I think, and it's like only like 10 kilometers wide. It's, yeah. it's like really narrow. It's just a line, and it's like this mirror, like super... Like yeah, tall, total like, self-sustaining city, and it's it's like built in a line, substructure on structure, and and, and the no access to the outside environment yeah. whatsoever. But you'll have everything in there. Yeah, this is being proposed. And there's by there's Saudi one Arabia. way into the city and one way out, and that's by bullet train. Yeah, there's bullet train to one end to the other. That'll bring in supplies. What's fucking authoritarians and trains. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, no shit. Um, but, <laughs> Why do they love that shit? But so yeah, much? I as I looked, the the thing that caught me the most. Was there's no fucking doors on this right. this thing where you're you're a prisoner in this thing and you have, and it's mirrored too, so it doesn't yeah. uh, interrupt the the landscape on the outside. Right. It just kind of blends. It's like how many animals are going to run into that fucking thing to start <laughs> right. with? Yeah, right. I mean, have you seen birds and windows? Imagine yeah. birds with these mirrors. Yeah. I don't know. It was okay, sick, just, though. Just look, just look at how many bald eagles have been killed because of a uh, wind turbine, right? Or no bats? Shit. God. Or bats. 
Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, uh, Dubai is doing this. Um, really? You know, I, I think uh, I, I think in Saudi Arabia, Dubai, the UAE, Qatar, Kuwait. I mean, th- those are those are going to be the, the super cities yeah. of tomorrow mm-hmm. because what they what they're also anticipating is a day in which uh, oil money will not be able to guarantee them the lives that they live. Mm-hmm. But they're also and, and that's one reason why they're buying gold right now. They're buying gold because that's how they're going to be able to continue buy um you know, oil and gas and natural resources from China and Russia. Mm-hmm. India is doing that as well. I don't think India is going to be, um, you know, as productive because a lot of other things that don't matter por- t- towards this conversation. But like people are getting ready for for a world where things are different. Do mm-hmm. I see? Do I see the dollar being, um, you know, the 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 global reserve currency? I actually do. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Do I see the dollar maintaining its status as the global reserve currency mm-hmm. 50 years from now? I actually do. Really? And here's why. It, it's because nobody else wants to have that burden. Mm-hmm. And you know, wh- ultimately, what's the U.S. dollar backed by? It's backed by our military presence. As long as we don't bring back any of the troops, because no one ever fucking does that. Trump didn't do it. Biden won't do it. Obama didn't do it. No one else is going to do it. Mm-hmm. As long as we don't do that, we maintain our global reserve currency status. Will it be as trusted? Will people find other ways to get around it? Of course, they're doing it now by trading gold. But you know, nobody wants that burden. Saudi Arabia does not want their, their currency, does not want their money being pegged to everything. And in many ways, China doesn't want that either. Russia certainly never wanted that mm-hmm. because of what it did was it put U.S. sanctions mm-hmm. on many countries that were not initially part of NATO. Look at most of South America. Um, so, I mean, I don't think anybody is going to want that. I think the dollar will maintain its status as the global reserve currency, but it will not be as respected. It will not be as strong. And it's only reliance on maintaining that status is going to be our military presence. That's the only thing. So basically, the war and ending the wars is never going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's Sun Tzu. It's like you know, there no no uh, no side benefits from from prolonged conflict. Mm. So who, who's going to want that? Yeah, right? nobody right. does because they saw what it did to us. Right. How can we go from being the shining city on the hill to people not knowing what genders they are and, you know, <laughs> dealing with this shit now, you know, like right. I, I know people in Indiana who are dealing with rolling blackouts, rolling blackouts in America. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like, California has really? been having rolling blackouts for in the Texas. last 20 years. Yeah. It's like, but does California actually count? Right. No, no, That's not, third not really. Um, it, we are about due for a break. Uh, I do want to get more into your advice on how to make money. You keep talking about making money, but we want to get more into like maybe asking us some questions and shit. So if you got more time, we want to spend and ask you some questions when we come back. So we're going to get into break. We're going to take four or five minutes. And so refresh your drink, get back here. And we're going to spend some more time with the great Remzo Martinez to talk about how to make that bread. We'll be right back. Spank that like button. Spank it. Spank it hard. Here we go. Have you ever thought that maybe voting, maybe all this politics constantly surrounding you is not the way to achieve freedom in your life? Hi, I'm Remster W. Martinez, and I ask myself the same question. That's why I'm on a journey to find true freedom in my lifetime. 
from learning about financial independence to new ways to develop rugged individualism to amazing guests living strange, crazy, amazing lifestyles that you've only thought might be real but actually are. Go ahead and check out my new show, On the Run with Remster W. Martinez at the We Are Libertarians Network. You can find On the Run with Remster W. Martinez on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. You know how the internet works. Come on down and let's discover how to achieve real freedom in your life together. Hey, everybody. I just want to take this time to give a big shout out to the very first sponsor of the Break the Bell podcast. That is Goulash Media. They can be found at goulashmedia.net. Uh, Goulash Media specializes in graphic design, web design, audio recordings, video work, wedding videos, uh, music videos, even political campaign videos. Uh, Goulash Me- Media caters to the little guy with the big vision. You can check them out at goulashmedia.net. That's G-O-U-L-A-S-H media.net. And we're back. We are with the great Remzo Martinez teaching us how to make some money in these economic shitty times. Remzo, you're still here. I'm still here. Good. Have you? Uh, did you make more money while we were gone? I, I just have to think about it, and suddenly, like you know, money, my, my phone just starts erupting with alerts, like nice. dollar, 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 dollar. Yeah, no, I just mean, willing it's, uh, money into existence. Yeah. <laughs> just, I, I think about it, and it's just, it just, it just falls onto my lap. Oh, yeah. is it? Uh, what is it? Um, Satanism, where you can just will money into your oh, life it, or something? The cabalism, like that? Cal- cabalism. Is that what it is? Yeah. Maybe yeah. we're maybe we're following the wrong religions. I think so. Did you join the Church of Satan while in the last two years? Is that why uh, you started <laughs> becoming more financial? You know, you know, it's it's kind of funny you bring up. Um, he did join the cabalism. <laughs> I, you know what, what's funny about it is, I. This is weird that you bring it up. Maybe. Maybe everyone needs to needs to look a little bit into it, but uh, you know, Kabbalism, it's I, I I didn't know what it was at first because I thought it was like Jewish mysticism, mm-hmm. but what it really is is it's it, it's uh, and I I know this might piss some people off because it's it's a whole bunch of stuff, but if if you if you understand the Kabbalah, what you begin to understand is that we we live in a simulation, and that also makes people weird and stuff like that. But really there, there are things about the world that you can look at and understand like where, where the next thing is going to happen. Where are we putting our attention and who is, who who is ultimately leading our attention into things. And what I began to realize is that based off where we direct our attention, those things have control over our lives Mm -hmm. and the Kabbalah goes into that. And and to kind of drop that off that, that when I began to understand that it, it really showed me that my life was being dictated by a lot of things that I had no control over and that the things that I gave energy to were growing stronger Mm -hmm. while I was growing weaker. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and not all of it was malicious. You know, I, I, I left partisan politics a long time ago because even as somebody that had worked as a political consultant for a while, uh, working with libertarian and GOP candidates, you know, those things became the source of my life. Yeah. And it wasn't until I became disconnected from that, that I began to see that there's this giant game being played around us and that ultimately consequences are real, but there, there's more beyond just what what we see in front of us and i don't want to get weirder we can get into that another time but what i will say is that you know if if you want to look into a little bit of esoteric thought cabalism is not you know it's not a cult it's not a religion it's just another way of seeing the world sure and uh i'm sure there's a lot of people like that i've sacrificed zero children okay good uh there's animals and we don't have to Zero go down animals. we don't have to go down this 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 hole but um there's a lot of people that can't uh reconcile like christianity with what what you're talking about with like esoterism mm-hmm. or whatever because well, I, for one one way or another and um listening to some of the things i i mean i haven't like deep dove into it i'm just like yeah. i i don't understand why uh you can't quote unquote be a christian and um, take control of your own like destiny, like mm-hmm. path in life, whether that's finances you, you or see, whatever. It's, it's less about that. It's more about it, it, it's less about me being like in control of of everything. And if we're gonna get into this, I'll get into this. Might it's more well. about listening. And, we're going it's more way. about listening to where God wants me to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And He doesn't Absolutely. lead us into temptation. He doesn't lead us into these things that are wittingly bad for us. He, he doesn't put us in those situations we have. So yeah. how can we put ourselves in a way that we're, we're in tune with that energy focus in which we're benefiting ourselves, but at the same time, we're benefiting others because it has mm-hmm. less to do with us and it has more to do with what we're putting into the world through mm-hmm. our own actions. Absolutely. That's fair. And uh, yeah. we'll have to deep dive into that sometime because yeah. that's, uh, oh that's my really gosh. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, yeah. we'll 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 schedule another episode for yeah. that. But today, let's talk about making money <laughs> because that's what we're here to Shit talk about. Money. Uh, your Twitter bio says that you are a side hustle coach. Explain yourself. Is that a pimp? <laughs> yeah. Yes. In that- some cases, <laughs> it could it could it could be a side hustle for you if you wanted to get into that. As Butters from South Park would say, you know what I'm saying. But uh, the the big thing that helped me in my life was that. I, I discovered very early on after college that I was not meant to be a business owner. I wanted to have a lot of things my way, and mm-hmm. I quickly learned that that wasn't going to be the case. I wanted, I, I was entrepreneurial enough to have my own ideas, but when it came to actually managing a business, that you know, starting a business, all that stuff, that just wasn't for me. I, I, I started a couple, and they were not enjoyable, and they weren't things I was really passionate about, and they all failed. But at the same time, I realized that I also didn't just want to be confined to one uh, one source of income through one employer. And while I'm not telling people not to be loyal to their employers, because I, I've worked for some great companies, I've worked for some, some shit companies, I work for a great company right now. What I wanted was I, I wanted other things that only I could provide myself. Mm. So through side hustles, it provided me three things. It provided me an additional source of income. 
where I could still be an entrepreneur, but I wasn't just relying on this because I, I got my start in copywriting, which is writing sales and marketing and, uh, you know, stuff to help people improve their SEO and stuff, Wr writing the stuff that you read. that's not in the book. It's right. It's reading website, copy, all that type of stuff. It's that type of writing. And uh, what that allowed me to do is that allowed me to basically have my job where I'm, I'm, you know, I'm loyal and I'm a good employee to my employer, but I'm also developing other skills. And by doing that, I could go ahead and jump into this and I could negotiate with clients. I could set my rates. I can go ahead and have some people call it an intrapreneurial opportunity. So I went ahead and did that. So that provided me cash flow. That provided me an opportunity to really refine and learn new skills and try it in a real live environment. Mm -hmm. It was also great for networking. Mm -hmm. um, my side hustles completely replaced my job path because I was a political consultant uh, for a while. If I wanted to be a researcher, I want I, I used to enjoy writing white papers in D.C. I actually used to enjoy doing that. Mm -hmm. But what I quickly discovered was that I have this creator bent in my bones. I, I have a very creative brother who's an award winning producer. So we went ahead and became full time content creators. Uh, that really shifted me towards marketing and digital marketing. And it was through all my creative stuff. It was through all my side hustles. It was through all my networking and knowledge that eventually I just completely rewrote my career path outside of what I went to school for, outside mm. of what I was knowledgeable about. So, so what side hustles do is they give people an opportunity to basically get to a war game things that they might want to turn into a business or just have as something that can go ahead and provide them the cash and opportunities that they wouldn't get from their regular job. Mm. Um, you know, people that want to go ahead and 3d print stuff, people that want to go ahead and uh, do drop shipping, people that want to go ahead and do graphic art or editing or, you know, proofread resumes. There's a side hustle for everybody. And in some cases, your side hustle can go ahead and make the difference between living a life that's all right and living a life where you've just got so much more going for you. So I'm not telling people like a lot of other influencers and finance folks to go ahead and quit your job and all that stuff. But what I am saying is I think you can do more. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting some of the examples you bring up because a lot of people, even myself, we don't I you don't think of that as a side hustle. Like I'm great. I, I don't want to toot my own horn, I guess, but I am great at writing resumes because I don't know. Are you still in the military right now? I, I can't. I got, I got out. Ironically, let me tell you this. I got out. I got my discharge from the national guard the day my unit went to go spend a week in Washington, DC in January. Of oh, oh yeah. wow. So, yeah. so you got out of that. Um, mm -hmm. but back to what I was saying, uh, I don't know if you took this class, but I took like this, like get out of the military and survive in the real world type class. Um, and one of the things was learning how to write resumes and through that one, that's probably the one benefit that I've taken away from the military is I'm really fucking good at writing resumes. I wrote my wife's resume. I mm -hmm. proofread a couple people's never done it for cash flow. So when you're, you're like, oh yeah, proofread resumes for money, it's like, you're hmm. Like I Got could it. do that. I am good at writing resumes. So yeah. if anybody's out there looking for a resume or looking for somebody to look over a resume, send it my way. I'm really good at writing resumes. 500 so. bucks a pop. There you go. <laughs> so, um, but what I was saying is like a lot of the things you're talking about, a lot, just the examples that you're probably like, well, duh, why wouldn't you do this? For other people that haven't thought of that, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I could do that or I do that for, for free for people. So maybe I could do that for a little bit of cash flow. Yeah. I mean, at, at the end of the day, what's great about the internet and the gig economy 
is that you can find a side hustle through just one question and it's entirely personal. That's what makes it better if you can answer it correctly, because there is a correct answer to it. Mm -hmm. What is something that you see people have an immediate problem with? Something they hate doing, mm -hmm. especially something that consumes time that they could easily solve if they just paid someone money to do it. Mm -hmm. If you can immediately spot a problem and you're willing to do it in exchange for cash, you, you just found your side hustle. Sure. Right there. The thing that I found very early on is that because I was in politics and media, you had a lot of people that were trying to start up websites that they can go ahead and monetize by placing advertisements and then use that money to build other properties mm. that they could then monetize and stuff like that, subscription models and everything else. What, what helped me was that I was a blogger before I was a podcaster, back when blogs actually mattered and you can find them on Google. I was a blogger and I could go ahead and pump out 500 words in less than half an hour. Mm -hmm. And I can go ahead and throw in all the SEO keywords. I'll link all the stuff and I can tell you how to promote it later. Um, you know, that that's what got my foot in the door. And eventually that's what evolved me into copywriting. Then what I found out was that I was really good at doing the Facebook as a lot of people called it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I realized that I could go ahead and manage and curate and grow a following and establish a brand and use that to go ahead and make people money. So I transitioned from being a copywriter in terms of how you could define my specific skills and the value I brought to being a social media coordinator. Mm -hmm. And then I found out how to merge all of that together to get attention, grow properties and generate money online. And that's how I became a digital marketer. All this came through a couple of different things. Now, some people don't want it to be, be something that can change their careers entirely. But you know, I, I know somebody who went ahead and he bought a power washer and he already has a six figure job. He owns multiple income properties, but he wanted to do more. And what he saw in his community is that he had a lot of people that were willing to pay quite a bit of money for a power washer. Mm -hmm. So he bought a power washer for about 450 bucks, got a website for 20, got a number for about another 50 bucks, uh, put out a few hundred ads on Facebook. So he spent less than a thousand dollars to do this and he made back that money within a his first couple clients right. and he's going to be doing power washing for at least another couple months before fall comes. Did he need it? No. Is he going to quit everything he's doing to become a full-time power washer? No. But what he saw was he wanted more money. He saw an immediate problem that people had that people did not want to spend time doing that they would willingly spend money on to solve. And he was like, I'll take your money. Mm -hmm. I'll do it. Yeah. I mean, if you're willing to do the job that nobody else wants to do, why not? And especially when it's something like that, that costs so little money. That's So I, I, I wrote up a couple of concerns that people would probably have when it comes to getting a side hustle on top of their regular job. One of them I wrote was, I don't have the extra money to do it. Um, when it comes to something like this, it's like, what, a thousand bucks? Yeah, that, that might that might sound like a lot to some people, but uh, when it comes to like tur the turnaround time, when you think about the benefits of it, it it makes it. If you I, have the I time. started. I, I started all my side hustles with no money. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't even have money to buy a website. In fact, when I first started podcasting, I, I didn't even have money for a microphone. A friend of mine gave me fifty bucks to go buy one. Wow. That that's how that's how rough it was, mm -hmm. and. 
I knew that I was good at writing and that there were a lot of people willing to pay for not just blogs and op-ed pieces. And this is where a lot of my journalist friends deserved to be broke in 2020 Mm -hmm. because I was offering them potentially thousands of dollars in contracts to do subcontract work, or I was just going to give them clients because they, they, you know, they would write these 1200 word essays on like conservative philosophy and things like that. But you're telling me that you can't write a, a sales flyer right. for a salon. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my best clients for about a year was a Vietnamese sale, uh, nail salon in Toledo. Like I never even met those people. So mm-hmm. right there, I had a skill that only required access to the internet. Mm-hmm. I went on fiverr.com. And I said, I will write 500 words for $5. Yeah. And as my ratings went up and I got more orders and I had more consistent buyers, I was charging like 25, 50 bucks for 500 to a thousand words. And then I could upsell them on different things I was doing. And I would offer them bundles if they paid in advance. Mm-hmm. And Fiverr.com took about uh, 13% off the top. I think they take more now. But it's like that got me started. That got me a portfolio of work. It taught me a lot about how to negotiate and how, you know, what people were expecting. And eventually I made enough money. I just went ahead and did it myself. Most of my clients are client by referral now, which Mm -hmm. I want to go ahead and throw this out there. If anyone goes ahead and refers clients to me, I give a 10% finder's fee. So right there, that's a side hustle. Just finding people that do something, negotiating with them and referring clients to them. Mm -hmm. And you get 10% for no work. I mean, you can make a side hustle out of anything if you just get very specific and understand who you're, who 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 has a problem that they need immediately solved that you would be willing to solve for money. Mm-hmm. That goes in business. That goes in everything. Side hustles are just that on a very micro scale. So what about this concern? Uh, I already put forty to sixty hours, seventy plus hours a week. I don't have time for a side hustle. What what are they? What are they doing wrong that they're working 40 or 70 hours and they're not making enough? Mm-hmm. I'm assuming they're not making enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I, I mean, if you're doing that, then, then you have bigger problems. I would say a side hustle isn't your problem. Your, your, your job is a primary income problem. You're not doing work that demands that you get more. So, I mean, I would really start looking at your skills. I had a client uh, about five months ago who delivered pizzas. And he's delivering pizzas, you know, more than 40 hours a week. And then he's like, oh, well, I just don't have time for a side hustle. And I'm like, you know what you don't have time for? You don't have time to continue doing this shit. Right. Right. Because how because now you're just a slave to your employer. Your employer is is owning your time beyond what you would typically give anybody. So I mean, it's not that you have a time issue, it's that you have a skills issue. You, you know, the 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 cost. Like if you think the cost of winning is a lot, imagine what the cost of failure is. Mm-hmm. And failure in this case is you not even taking that chance. Like, listen, an extra $500 a month dramatically improved my life mm-hmm. when I was starting. And $500 a month can drastically include, improve the lives of many people. Yeah, I mean, that's two like major bills right there. Yeah. Just I mean, like my wife got a raise a couple weeks ago and it was only like 
a dollar raised. And she's like, it's only like 40 bucks a week. And it's like, yeah, but that's $160 a month. That's a bill right there that we don't have to pay, like right. that we now have covered that we didn't have covered before. So it, it's just like even even a couple hundred bucks doesn't sound like a, a lot, especially with that's inflation today. But it, it just knocking one bill off of your list of bills for the month is just like... That makes a huge fucking difference. Yeah, you, you bring up inflation. I want to mention one thing on that. Like we, we keep hearing a lot of people. I hear a lot of potential clients and a lot of listeners on my show use inflation as an excuse. Mm. But the truth is, here's who inflation really hits. Inflation really hits governments. Mm -hmm. Inflation really hits rich people that have their assets in things that can quickly become destroyed because of inflation. Inflation hurts all of us as we're seeing it right now. But the truth is, a few extra dollars a month is going to change your life, irregardless of how the inflation is. Unless mm -hmm. it's Venezuela, like <laughs> it, let let inflation and taxes be a rich person problem. Mm -hmm. We you need to make that money so then you can have rich people problems. There you go. There you go. Then you can worry about inflation. Down then the you road can worry about rich. inflation. Yes. Yeah. So mm. you you keep bringing up passive passive income. What's pat? Explain to people what passive income is and how it works. Passive income is money that you earn when you sleep. What you go ahead and you do is you create a product or a service that you can pretty much automate. And then what happens is you put enough active work into that product so that way it works for you without having to do much more. And a lot of people, they start thinking of e-commerce. They start thinking of uh, you know, store, online stores and stuff like that. Those are great. Where, where I made a ton of my money, where, I, where, where a lot of my passive income comes from is through dividend investing. Mm -hmm. In 2019, I started watching a channel by a guy named Andre Jick. I'll just go ahead and say I stole every idea. Andre Jick was a guy who came from a, a, a Russian family that worked for Circus Olay in Las Vegas. And they were constantly living paycheck to paycheck because circus performers surprisingly don't get paid much. No. What? So what no. he started doing was he started doing research on how what is money, how money is made, and how the rich make money. And when people look at the companies that um, you know are on the stock market, and this surprises me because I'll be honest, a college-educated person, I thought I was fairly smart. I didn't know what a dividend is. A dividend is basically a payment a company gives you during a profitable quarter, and they give it to you because there's a there, there's a fiduciary responsibility to pay that to employers. Now, not all companies offer a dividend, but a lot of them do. Mm -hmm. And as I was doing my research and everything, I was like, you're telling me that I will get X percent of the stock I hold just for holding it paid to me in cash every month. So I started looking at all the companies I knew something about, companies I wanted to learn more about. I narrowed it down to what I call a special forces team in my brokerage <laughs> account. And I just started throwing as much cash into that as well as dollar cost averaging over time uh, to basically go ahead and long story short, I, I tripled my net worth within one year. Hmm. Wow. Wow. And a lot of it was just through that passive income. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my goal was how do I go ahead and secure an extra $10 a month? Because you have to have a lot of money invested in these stocks. Like it, it hurt at the beginning because I'm looking at you know, my dividend schedule of when I'm getting these payments. And it's like I put a lot of money in here, but I'm getting like 10 cents back. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, if you go ahead and you reinvest those dividends, 
you're going to go ahead and grow over time. So you constantly have your money working for you. And people don't don't often know this is how it works because people just think that, you know, like your retirement accounts and everything, it just grows purely based off the paper value of the stock that you hold. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, you know, a lot of those companies are paying dividends that are part of your portfolio. So that gets reinvested back in, it buys more shares. So you're getting a compounding effect. So basically the paper value of uh, of some of my investments doesn't matter shit to me. I love Coke when it's $70 and I love Coke when it's $40 mm-hmm. because I know that Coke is always going to be in demand. And I'm talking Coca-Cola, not cocaine. That's a whole different I market. Mean, that too is but like, I know that's always like, in demand. I will, yeah. I will always be getting a dividend payment from Coke. Mm-hmm. So I will always regularly buy Coke. So it got to the point where I was just like, you know what? This money's just going to keep working for me. Reinvest my dividends. Uh, you know, my, you know, my, my investing strategy, which is often called a dividend tree. It, it was easy because I didn't have to do much homework. All I had to do was automatically take money out of each paycheck and toss it in there into a special forces bundle of individual stocks and ETFs. And I, I was looking at how much I was making by the end of the year. And it was like, oh my God, this bumped me up a whole new tax bracket. Yeah, <laughs> it, I mean, just simple things like that. But real estate is an example as well. Real estate is the most profitable and the most common form of passive income for many people when you own a property and you rent it. So, I mean, passive income, I, I want to preface just like when I was talking about dividend investing, it required a lot of cash up front. But understand, I was also doing this when I was not making a lot of money. I was making under 45000 a year mm-hmm. and I was doing this. I was still contributing my employer match to my 401k. I was doing this as well. I had a Roth IRA. But my thing is like, you know what? I need as much of my money working for me as possible. Past, mm-hmm. you know, uh, an emergency fund and everything else. That's one way. It's an easy way. But that's how the rich become rich, because if your money is not generating passive income for you when it's just sitting somewhere, you're going to work until you die. Right. 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 So that's what I did. That's what worked for me. And eventually I I got into other things as well. I got into uh, different businesses. I got into other stuff. I still think that active money ensures that you're sharp and that you can work from anywhere because your active drives your passive, especially in terms of investing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, having having both of those things constantly working, no one will ever, very few people will ever entirely live off of passive income. And you have a lot of people on YouTube that give this idea that passive income means never having to do work and you're living on a beach because you created an app one time. No, active means, I'm sorry, passive means you had to put a lot of active work into it. But there are days where I wake up and I see how much money some of my, some of my uh, investments are bringing in. And it's like, you know what? It's fucking worth it. Yeah. I mean, is that money you can just quick? I I I don't invest. I don't know much about investing. I'm so this is like all kind of brand new for me. I don't know. Do you invest? Yeah, I have some investments. So I mean, is that just cash that you can just pull out if you need to, or how does that work? It's yeah, you can. Once you get the dividend payment, you you can pull it out. But what I do is I just go ahead and automatically reinvest it. So if I get X amount of dollars from Coke and a dividend, I just tell my account automatically reinvest it in that mm-hmm. stock. So my dividend is buying more shares. More shares are bringing me higher dividends. So and dividends it's just are earning cycle. dividends. It's, it's feeding itself. Mm-hmm. So that's how the paper value will grow irregardless as to how the market is doing. Right. Oh, that makes sense. I'm guessing you give 
plenty of this advice on your show, like dig a lot deeper into it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to spend hours talking about this. I could spend hours talking about there this. Cause like I said, I don't know. A lot How can about I make this. you money, Craig? Yes. Uh, <laughs> how that, can I make you money? The real reason I had you on wasn't so you could tell our listeners how to make, make money. So you could tell me how to make money, yeah. Remzo. So, um, <laughs> this, this is all like informative to me. And, um, like, like I said at the beginning, it's like, what a better time to to learn about this than now when everybody is doom and gloom when mm. it comes to finances, when it comes to inflation, when it comes to the economy. And from what it sounds to you, like this is the best time to get in and mm. start making money. How is how back to that point, how is this shitty economy a great time to start making money? People are getting so much stuff paid off. Mm -hmm. through federal loans and through other things like right now people are getting debts paid off through taxpayer money mm -hmm. and that's a horrible thing but that's also a thing that might help people because like i said way earlier if you're if you're taking this as an opportunity to do something big you're gonna be fine because if you just think there's a one and done thing and you go back to your bad habits you're gonna be waiting for the next check from the government to come but but right now what we're seeing is that you know there's still a large effort of people going to remote work. Mm -hmm. um, you know this is going to hurt certain parts of the country, especially in the Midwest where we're at. But you know America's is largely a service providing nation. We're not a production nation. So if you can go ahead and develop a side hustle where you're using soft and you know remote skills to go ahead and make money, and by soft skills, communication skills, management skills. Um, you know, one of the one of the most booming industries online right now where you can make a lot of money just doing a little bit of work, not even part time work, like, you know, four or five hours a week is being a virtual assistant for somebody. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that that right there is big editing. I mean, just you, you think of something it goes back to what I was saying. If you find an immediate problem that people don't want to spend time on, but money could solve the problem. There's somebody that wants to hire you. So what that also does is for many people that are still stuck in an office who are still, um, you know, they have to go somewhere physical. Like there will always be a demand for that. And maybe you like your job that you're doing. Like photographers still want to do that. But what if we're in another lockdown and all the mm. weddings are canceled and right. all the birthdays are canceled and the reunions? Don't you want to have a fallback that you were regularly working on? So then that way, hopefully, if you just double down on that, that could replace your income. Yeah. I mean, it's it's about finding those opportunities because the other thing is a lot of people are are holding money and they're looking to spend it somewhere. Mm -hmm. And people are willing to spend a lot more now on new things that they wouldn't have. You know, I, I speak to a lot of people who are starting podcasts now and stuff like that. So, like, you know, if, if people were still willing to spend a lot of money on Christmas during COVID, then they're going to keep spending. Because here's the truth of a recession. A recession hits you momentarily. A depression is when you lose your job. But the holidays still come, and Black mm. Friday is always black. So, I mean, <laughs> yes. it's it's not like we're living in the Great Depression. Yeah, right. No, that's true. It so, sucks. I don't want to diminish that. Right. But, like, there, there are opportunities out there if you just start looking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you always see these websites sitting out there, like pop-up ads on Facebook that's like the – the top 10 uh, side hustles recommended for 2022. If if Remzo M Martinez was to come up with the top three side hustles of 2022, I know it's not one size fits all, but what would be the top three side hustles recommended by Remzo Martinez? One is copywriting, and I think that's going to be the number one 
uh, side hustle every year because most people spend more time writing a Facebook post than they imagine. You don't need to have a giant, you know, dictionary of a mind to write regular website copy descriptions menus i've written menus for people mm -hmm. flyers stuff like that if you're willing to write if you write competently in english if you passed fourth grade <laughs> you can easily become a copywriter mm -hmm. it's not about being the best sales copywriter out there it's just about listening to the instructions from your client and putting in the work and mm -hmm. eventually you, you'll write enough stuff. And and I was talking to somebody the other day, they're like, well, what if my client doesn't like my work? Well, offer to fix it for free. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's just right. basic stuff like that. So copywriting is always going to be number one. Mm -hmm. Number two is a little bit more specific. I, I'm going to say it's, um, it's uh, becoming a virtual assistant because as more companies go online, as more people start businesses, they can't often go ahead and expand uh, to part-time or full-time employees, but they do need like two, three hours of admin work done a week, mm -hmm. uh, managing a schedule. I have a virtual assistant. I pay uh, you know $75 an hour, but I cap her at two hours a month. So at most, I, you know, I only really need her for an hour. That's guaranteed. I know I have an hour of work for you right there, mm -hmm. but I cap her at two hours. That's only 150 bucks. And that saves me a lot of time because that's something I hate doing. I hate managing. I hate cold emailing people. I hate the back and forth organizing communications. I'd rather just pay somebody to do that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's 75 bucks an hour. So mm -hmm. she, she's not just working for me. She's working for a lot of people, right. maybe varying rates based off the demand and everything. But like that could be a, a part-time, full-time job for many people. Yeah, no shit. So, so that's more specific. And that's men, women. If you have a few hours a week and you're organized and you can handle a Google Calendar and you can fill in the email template, you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then the, the third one, you know, dividend investing. The stock market's going to be here. It's not going to go kaput like many other people think. There's too much capital involved. There's too much involved to keep it going. The banks will always live. Um, you know, th things will change. It might look different, but at least in America, the stock market has always historically given more than it's dropped over a long term period. And you know, just learning dividend investing alone not only taught me the basics of passive income. It taught me about a lot of industries I didn't really know I had an interest in. Mm -hmm. It's what eventually got me into um, you know the, the brewery business here in in Milwaukee because I understood what uh you know what what beverage based companies were working on and you know it, it, it was it was a great tool but it was also making me money and I mean it still reliably makes me money it brings me cash flow it builds paper value it, it's an amazing thing and it, it, I mean most most places right now you don't have brokerage fees anymore like they had 10 years ago they don't have brokerage fees and you can buy shares in most of your favorite companies, depending on most brokerage sites, for as little as a dollar. Mm -hmm. So if you just have money and you don't have much time, investing is one of the best things you could do. And I'm not talking day trading. I don't day trade. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm not doing any of that stuff. I'm not buying penny stocks. I'm just buying stuff in companies I like and ETFs I like. I'm buying realty income. I'm buying Coca-Cola, Pepsi. I'm buying, um, you know, uh, Iron Mountain and stuff like that. Companies that are going to be continuing to be profitable. Mm -hmm. And when I don't know what I want to do and I 
you know, have some money, I just throw it into an S and P 500 ETF because mm. at the end of the day, that will always guarantee a positive return as long as I hold it long and I'll still get a dividend out of that. Most S and P 500 based ETFs will your SPYs, your SBHDs, um, you know, your QQQs and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's just, I, at one point I have more money than time and that's just what I really doubled down on. Mm-hmm. So the, the, I, I'm pretty sure a lot of these, like the actual side hustles that aren't passive income, the more active stuff, like the copywriting and stuff like that. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that are like, uh, well, well, I could do that. I could, I have a fourth grade <laughs> grammar knowledge. Um, like the, they, they feel like they could do it, but they don't know how to get into it. Like, how do you get your foot in the door? Like, what, how, what do you suggest for people like that? Like, well, well, I can do this, but how do I start? I, I start with the brokerage sites. I, I go to Fiverr.com, F-I-V-E-R-R.com. I go to Freelancer. I go to Upwork. Mm-hmm. There, there's more people looking for workers than there are workers than there are freelancers right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, if you if you're just starting off, guess what? You're going to be cheap. And there mm-hmm. will be people that want cheap and there will be people that will outcompete you because they want somebody that has a five star rating. But that's how I got involved. I mean, uh, I, I, another another side hustle, just kind of give an example, is people just doing graphic design. Mm-hmm. I, I have done all my graphic design work ever for my employers and for my clients through Canva. Canva is a free app. Yeah. And Canva can help you create fantastic things super easily. There are people on Fiverr right now who are offering to do graphic design work that looks professional where the client will just go ahead and give them the description of what they need and then they build it on Canva and they provide it back to them. Mm-hmm. Why? It's not because they wanted somebody who could be super technical but still deliver Canva-level work. It's because they didn't have time to do it mm-hmm. and they need somebody to take the time to do it. Right. So literally – Here's a free side hustle, folks, that requires not even any writing, just a little bit of creativity. Download Canva for free on your phone. Costs you nothing. Join Fiverr. Costs you nothing. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and say that you'll make uh, 10 social media graphics for $5 and then get enough clients to get you a consistent five-star rating of 10 ratings or more and then offer multiple tiers where you'll do certain levels of customization or you'll do higher packages for up to like, you know, 10, 25, 50 bucks and bam, that, that, that's all you need to do. It costs you nothing. You use something that is easily accessible, but is a professional level tool. And you, you just went ahead and guaranteed yourself a global, a global audience because when I was on Fiverr, I was working with people in Mexico, Canada, the Philippines, Malaysia, Australia, England, Taiwan. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, it's a big world and there's a lot of money out there and there's a lot of people who will give it to you. Yeah, I think just knowing those resources like Fiverr mm-hmm. and stuff, like I, I hadn't heard of Fiverr, just knowing where the resources are to look or to to, to find the, the work is probably a huge thing for a lot of people looking for it because, um, I mean – you could advertise yourself on social media all day, but social media is so saturated with everybody looking to do anything that it's it's hard to even get like a a podcast uh, getting some sort of momentum. So uh, it, it's just nice to know those resources are out there, and I, I think just you could literally list advertising spots for your podcast on Fiverr. Really. Did not know that. This is all news to we're see we're learning. See, I only had you on here to make us money. Um, one thing that you had mentioned when you're talking about Fiverr was uh, doing work for cheap, and um, 
One thing uh, I used to do a side hustle when I was in the military, me and a friend, like uh, it was, uh, oh shit, what's the moving company? Uh, U-Haul. Two Marines moving? Uh, no, U-Haul. <laughs> yes. Uh, U-Haul had uh, like this app where you could get on and you could pack people's shit for them. You could pack their shit up for them. You could drive for them. You chose what, what uh, skill you wanted to do, what, what service you wanted to pro- provide. It was like packing. You unpack. You could be their driver, charge per mile. And me and my buddy got in on this. We signed up for it because, I mean, we're on a military base. People were fucking moving all the time. surprise shockingly people are always moving so um we got in on this and i would always set my price i would look at the average price and i would always set my price like twenty dollars less than the lowest person on there not because i didn't think we were worth more but because i knew being a military person myself i'm gonna go for the cheapest option here i mean we had five stars right every single fucking time but i still even as as we got more and more ratings and stuff, I still was like, I'm going to set my price $20 lower than the last guy because it's going to guarantee somebody's going to hit on this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we Did were- you get tipped? Yeah, we got tipped all the time. We got really there good you tips. Go. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, it was, it was work. It was hard work. Moving's not fun. I, I oh, fucking hate moving, but I mean, it was good freaking money. I was making several hundred dollars every weekend. We had a, a, something lined up for like the- last like year and a half that i worked there and Mm. that i was in the military and man it was good freaking money it was a good side gig um a lot of work but again like you were saying i mean to a certain point you get to a certain point with your own skills where you're not going to price yourself lower than like some newbie with no stars but pricing yourself a little less than somebody else that you think you probably might be worth a little more that that's still going to guarantee you more work than that person's probably going to get because at the end of the day a lot of companies don't fucking care anymore about your uh longevity or your uh, like they're a lot of corporations or a lot of companies are looking for bottom dollar how can Mm. we get the bottom dollar? how can we get the same thing for cheaper or something slightly similar for cheaper and i mean it might bite them in the ass but when it it looks good on paper for their corporate freaking board. Hey, I got this for five thousand dollars cheaper mm-hmm. than I would have right. going through this other company. Yeah. So th- here's a tale of two clients. I had a client in January that gave me a thousand dollar contract, mm-hmm. and I had a client that gave me a two hundred dollar contract. And ironically, the the two hundred dollar contract client actually took me more time than the $1,000 client. The mm-hmm. reason why I charged the one client $1,000 and the other guy $250 is because one guy really needed very specific information and he needed very specific um, you know, experience to guarantee that the solutions I was proposing to him were, were, the, were the solutions to something he really needed solved. Mm-hmm. That's a thousand dollars right there because I have something very rare, mm-hmm. and that didn't take me much time. Whereas the two hundred fifty dollar client at the time, I was like, "Do I even want to spend time on this?" Because this required more time, but I wanted the money. The thing is, uh, you know, I, I, a lot of people will say, well, "Don't waste your time with small clients. Go for the big dollar people." But here's what I was able to do: I took the small dollar client and I did the work because I I began to learn about him. I began to talk more, develop a relationship or rapport. And what I realized was that he's got to need this job frequently. Mm-hmm. So the thousand dollar guy, I solved a solution for him one time. He never needed me again. Mm-hmm. But I I did the work, even though it may might be a little under me, and. 
now I was able to develop a relationship with a guy where now that's an extra, you know, that that's a, that basically he set me up on a monthly renewal basis. Mm-hmm. So now I know what I have to do. I'm in a pattern. I, I now do it for half the time because I got better at it. And that's, that's reoccurring active money coming every month. Mm-hmm. And it's just because like, yeah, you know, like I did it for less. I, it took more time at the beginning, but I realized it's like, this is money I can guarantee every month if I just, you know, work with him a little yeah, bit. And right. so far now I don't even think of it. It doesn't bother me anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- one thing that you mentioned, which is, uh, you know, doing the, doing services like, like a uh, U-Haul freelance and stuff, you know, one, one thing I don't recommend to people and it's not that I don't, I don't recommend it. It's just that a lot of people are surprised I don't bring it up is, you know, delivering stuff for DoorDash, doing mm-hmm. Uber yeah, and stuff sure. like that. He, here's my problem with those companies. And it's actually more on a moral level. When you're contracting with Uber and DoorDash and everything, even though you're a contractor, um, the one thing that I would say is like, if you're going to go deliver DoorDash or drive Uber, you might as well get a job being a waiter. Mm -hmm. The reason why is because at least you get certain protections as an employee in case something happens. Then if you're a contractor, especially using one of your own assets, like a car as, as the tool. Because if something happens to you, if you get assaulted at Olive Garden, at least Olive Garden will, you know, protect you legally to a degree. Mm-hmm. But if you get assaulted as an Uber driver, and I've met many Uber drivers um, who have been assaulted and robbed in their vehicles, Uber and um, the other one, uh, Lyft, they won't do shit for you. Really? So my thing is like, if you're if you're accepting all the risk for not much money, and you're using your own vehicle. To, to get the job done, mm-hmm. I, I I would say, you know, go get a part-time job, right? Go, go, go do that. And one reason why I really focus on these remote skills is I think most people should have a balancing act in terms of where they're working. I think if you have a remote job, you should have some remote side hustles. I also think you should maybe go do something outside. Mm-hmm. You should go do some like labor oriented work, man, a cashier, mm. a couple hours a week, go work mm. at a warehouse stocking a few hours a week a- and vice versa. If you have a job that involves you being in an office or, you know, it's more labor intensive, you need a physical presence there. You need a job that you can transition to remotely mm-hmm. because when, you know, like when I was unemployed at the beginning of 2021, I was still copywriting. I was doing email marketing. It brought me a, a good amount of money, but what I needed was I needed more regular reoccurring income that mm-hmm. was more reliable i went and i stocked uh warehouses yeah like you know what did it suck it sucked i was getting paid 15 bucks an hour though mm-hmm. and it's like you know i know my hours are guaranteed right so then you know eventually I, I i got a job that's fully remote so i would still try and find things i could physically do but you know, I think uh, I think it's good for you as a person to still be willing to do both, to be mm-hmm. able to work on site and be able to work remote because mm-hmm. things change based off where you are. Maybe there's no remote work available, uh, you can't find it on ZipRecruiter or something, or maybe you just need to do something. You know, I've seen a lot of people who worked remote who lost jobs or something or got laid off, and they had to go work at like Target or something. It's weird how your social skills disappear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It really is. Whereas, you know, I've been a cashier. 
I've stocked uh, warehouses. I've been a mall cop. Mm-hmm. And I'm always doing something where I'm more active. I mm-hmm. will still actually go out and physically introduce myself to potential clients. I will mm-hmm. go to a business, say, hey, I see you're doing this thing. I identify a potential problem. Here's my card. Mm-hmm. A lot of marketers don't do that. Really? But I still do that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think having a foot in both things is fine. But I, I my thing is like I, I want to mitigate risk. Mm-hmm. And I would never drive Uber. I would never deliver DoorDash. I would never do Instacart and stuff like that, especially right now. People are getting robbed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, people are getting assaulted. Like America's <clears throat> fucked right now. Oh, yeah. I did. Uh, that's why Ozzy Osbourne's leaving because America's yeah, it's, fucked it's right now. It's too dangerous. Um, I get it. I get it, Ozzy. Yeah, right. <laughs> I did DoorDash in 2020, in the summer of 2020, when all the restaurants were shut down. And I made a good amount of money doing it. In like four or five hours, I, I think I was doing like three days a week, I would do like four or five hours and I was bringing in several hundred dollars a week doing it. Now, what fucked me was uh, on my taxes at the end of the year because um, I hadn't done subcontract work in a long time. And I was like, I completely forgot that, hey, you got to sit tax money aside for this shit. And so when tax time came up, it kind of ate up a lot of that. But um, but during that, I, I feel like there are times when that... Pro- Probably is a good time to take advantage, and 2020 was that. I tried it again in the summer of 2021. I did it twice. Didn't make dick in those two days, and I was just like, this is not even worth the four hours. I Like, probably three and a half of the four hours I was sitting in a parking lot waiting for a call. I'm like, fuck this. This isn't worth my time. I think they um, they would ma- give you a minimum of like 11 bucks an hour or something like that. So, I mean, I was making something, yeah. but it's not worth the the time that I was taking away from my family and shit. I'm just like, yeah. fuck this. So I'm not saying I, I get what you're saying that it's a terrible idea to do that when there's so many other options. I feel like in certain moments you could probably take advantage. Like twenty twenty was when right. I took advantage and I made a freaking good amount. Yeah, I when made everybody was locked down, right? Yeah, I made like I think twenty five hundred dollars one month doing that. Mm-hmm. And I think I made close to five thousand dollars total in the summer of twenty twenty mm-hmm. just driving on the side. And so I, I feel like there are times to take advantage of that, but overall I would not suggest. I would say for you, there's a real need for people to, to learn how to grow peppers. <laughs> I think you would do awesome in that. Not this year. This year I did not grow peppers <laughs> oh, okay, worth dick. Okay. The rabbits but ate you all still, my peppers. You still have peppers from last year. I still year, have <laughs> peppers from last year. Yes. That I'm still eating. So it, I, I, I had that, I have that passive income of pepper yes. production from last year that I'm still living on. It's impressive. Um, but uh, I haven't even dipped in the pickled peppers yet. Oh, so, yeah. But the rabbits that ate all... That would be good. The rabbits yeah, ate all my good. damn peppers this year. Like, every yeah. single plant That's, was eaten. Well, you got off. the dogs, though, to kill the rabbits. Well, the, the dog just goes in there and chases the rabbits. Or you and trap the rabbits, and then you then you sell, you know, peppers pepper and seasoned rabbit. There you go. <laughs> there you go, spicy rabbit. Yeah. No, the dog, spicy like, rabbit. squeezes through the gate... And chases the rabbits and then pisses on the plants and oh. kills them more. So, oh. so no, no, no luck yeah. this year on the peppers. So, but I, again, I still got the peppers from last mm. year. So we're good. There you go. Um, where was I going? But I, 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 and I had told my wife because, you know, she's disgruntled with her job. And I was like, you know, with technology being what it is, it's foolish not to try to bring in some kind of money using mm-hmm. that, you know, I mean, to market yourself with doing what you're good at. I think Whatever a lot is. of people are scared to invest any little extra money or time into something like that. That's why I said, right. that's why I mentioned the people that are like, well, I don't got any extra money to do this or whatever. It's just like, for some people, $500 sounds like a ton of money. 
to invest in, to take a risk, I guess, take some sort of yeah. risk. And it's like, well, I don't see in the short term where I have this $500 to throw at right. something else when we have bills and inflation and gas prices and stuff like that. Yeah. I, if I were to go ahead and put $500 in the power washing, I wouldn't know the first thing about it. Mm -hmm. right? But the one thing I did know is that I was always good at writing. Mm -hmm. I was really good at it. Mm -hmm. And I could get a lot of work out of it. Right. And, and that's why I think people need to go ahead and identify the things that they're interested in. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people produce jingles and stuff. I mean, there's there's so many ways to you use the things that jingles. you're interested <laughs> in to go ahead and use that as an opportunity. And eventually, you know, you, you, you upcharge, you go ahead and raise your rates, you save some money. Like, you know, the day I started uh, doing short blogs for five bucks three, four years ago, mm -hmm. ultimately allowed me to go ahead and write four figure checks to buy into private equity yeah. for businesses. And it, it's all because of that, how that worked. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the one thing that, you know, we, we've said repeatedly, and I'll just go ahead and, you know, conjoin it this way is the, the benefit is you get to eat the stuff you like. Mm -hmm. the, the cost is you're going to eat the bugs. <laughs> yes. So it's you a matter of like, not what, what's the cost? Yeah. Like right. what's the cost right now? Right. Like, you know, there, there were people that went to like the Libertarian Party convention last year who had to go ahead and like, you know, uh, Put, do, pull a HELOC loan on their on their homes, mm -hmm. but they couldn't pay rent. And it's like you're, you're putting so much more time into stuff that's not going to benefit you. At least make some money out of it. Right. Right. And uh, I mean, I gather from what you're saying, it's like right now it's like a lot of people are tightening the belt. They're being more cautious. Now's the time to be bold and kind of go in and like expand and try to do some shit. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, I, I don't want to tell people like buy the dip, go do crazy shit. It depends on what you're currently doing. Mm -hmm. Like one thing I am doing right now, and I'm going to mention this in my newsletter at remzo.substack.com is I, I bought, I, 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 I did a lot of investing the last three, four months when things were really, really low. Mm -hmm. And now I'm at the point where a lot of that discretionary cash isn't there right now, but I also don't have plans. My thing is if I don't have plans or how I'm going to use my money, uh, yeah, I can lose it from inflation and, you know, stick it in a bank account where I get like no interest on it and stuff. Mm -hmm. But like right now what I'm doing is I'm, I'm going cash heavy. Why? Because I already did a lot of investing. I don't have a lot of cash to go ahead and put in that stuff. I know I'll be better. And I think we're going to see some big changes that will then change my mind come January of 2023. That's coming closer than people think. Mm -hmm. So like I'm, I'm, I'm dollar cost averaging. I have a fixed amount. I put into a couple of investments that I like, and uh, that that's going to be done automatically, whether Mark's doing great or wrong. I just know that if I just put in the same amount each month, uh, as months that I'm not putting more than that, I'm going to be fine because I'm still putting money into work, mm -hmm. but you know, all the extra money I would put in to make those big purchases and stuff, that's not happening. And, and what I am doing is, you know, I, I bought into a business at the beginning of the year. That's, that's, um, that's sitting somewhere and, uh, you know, that's going to grow in value over time. And then I went ahead and joined a drop shipping business that we're going to go ahead and put a little bit of capital into to hopefully get a return on come Christmas. And, you know, that that took a lot of time from me. And uh, the other thing I'm trying to do is, I, you know, I, I, I would like more cash right now, especially as things are becoming more expensive. I, I'm going to go ahead and increase the number of coaching clients I take. I'm going to go ahead and bring on some more contracts from businesses and contract uh, and content creators. Like I could do more work. Work right now. I'm willing to sacrifice more time 
Mm -hmm. than I typically would, because I think that something big is going to happen after the midterms, especially. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're going to be facing our first winter where electricity rates across the country are going as higher as uh, 20 percent. And, yeah. uh, you know, just being married, my electricity bill, bill doubled. And God damn it. like, you know, I, I saw it and I'm like, shit, this is kind of crazy. But, you know, like I'm in a position where it's like, you know, I, I, I'm only unhappy because that's a little less I get to put into other things, but I can afford it comfortably and my life isn't going to change. Right. So uh, we're about out of time, but uh, last question, I guess, that I've got for you on my list is what piece of advice would you do you wish somebody would have given you 10 years ago? Uh, if you strictly follow your passions into areas where you know you're not different than anybody else, you're going to be like everybody else and you're going to be struggling but if you follow your passions into areas where you have the opportunity to make a lot of changes and to pave a way for yourself and others not only will you be more satisfied with what you're doing but it will pay off longer term i thought my passion was politics and i thought that i wanted to go be a white paper pusher like many other people mm -hmm. but what my real passion was was creating content but it wasn't necessarily always even creating my content. I loved the actions of getting to work with a team and getting to see a lot of things come together and learn skills that a lot of people did not think were going to be beneficial. I love being a digital marketer. And people are like, well, you know, you, you talk about like, you know, what, why you should, uh, you know, check to see if your bosses are wor worth looking for. I like working for my company. I love the people I work for. I, I, I like working for other people mainly. Like, that's mm -hmm. my thing. Like, yeah. even my clients are my bosses in some ways. I have a good relationship with them because I'm a respectful person. I'm a respectful employee, a respectful contractor. But, you know, I, I, I keep myself moving and I keep myself constantly developing. And it's because I got very narrow with my skills. But one other thing, and I, and I had to ask myself this recently when I had an industry shift from the nonprofit world into, uh, you know, full-time uh, digital marketing. Um you can go ahead and stand out in front of a crowd. And I say this for a lot of people. I think this is a year a lot of people should switch where they're working full time because I think you could be doing the same job, maybe doing something a little bit different, but doing the stuff you really like for more money. Mm -hmm. If Amen. you can go ahead and find a solution that a, that a company or business is, is uh, having a challenge finding, you don't need to be the best candidate on paper. You need to be the best candidate who can relay this idea that you understand the challenge, you understand how to provide the solution, and that you can ease that pain for them really fast. Mm -hmm. Because that's all it is. If mm -hmm. people are looking for problem solvers, and usually it's just a very immediate thing, and then later on they might have to figure out what do I do with this guy now? The problem solved. But what you did was you just gave them immediate value. And what you're you're going to do is you're going to be able to provide that solution long term, especially as they grow and expand. So, uh, you know, I think this is a big time for people to switch and find jobs. I did that. I, I love where I work right now. And, um, you know, it's it's because uh, of, of that. I helped a lot of people find new work uh, mm -hmm. in the last uh, four or five months because it was just like you hate what you're doing. Listen, the best time to be looking for work is when you're still working. You're right. So yeah. you might as well find a place that will value and respect you more as an employee. Mm -hmm. No, that all makes sense. Yeah. Um, and it's all good advice. Everything here has been uh, just yeah, really good. earfuls of good advice. Um, I'm sure there's, like me, there's plenty of people out there listening that are like, wow, I never thought of it that way. Um, I, I know we all hear 
it, but not too many people break it down. Like I, I see all over social media. Hey, uh, take advantage of a uh, passive income, but nobody like um, right. sits down and explains like how how you can do right. this, what you can do, uh, how you can make your money work for you. Uh, there's podcasts out there, but you have to like go look for them. Mm. Uh, people talking about it, but uh, uh, you talk about it a lot on your show. Why don't you? Uh, we're gonna wrap this thing up. Why don't you go and plug your show, your Substack, everything that you're doing, your 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 uh, services, anything that you want to plug. My media fiefdom. Yeah, I, I do a show called On the Run twice a week, every Monday and every Thursday, where I talk about this stuff. I also talk about a lot of things going in my life as I'm trying to seek financial freedom, become a millionaire by the time I'm 38. Uh, I also do a Substack uh, email list where I go ahead and I go ahead and put out all the stuff I'm doing, all the important news I feel that you need to go ahead and keep on your radar. I went ahead and put out another email this week where I gave a bunch of free apps I use that help you save money invest money and make money and you get free stock cash crypto when you sign up for those services if you haven't used those already and i also pro uh, i also do a uh, private one-on-one -on -one coaching because not everyone is the same sometimes you just need a little bit more work i want to help you find that solution that you need so you can go ahead and rapidly accelerate your life so that mm -hmm. way you can get the money to buy back your time to give you more options to deliver that freedom in your lifetime that you want you know the tagline for my show is a is achieve dangerous freedom in your lifetime that you I dream like of and, you know, dangerous freedom now isn't driving a Bugatti or jumping out of airplanes <laughs> or going to Dubai. Mm -hmm. It's getting to barbecue with your family. Right. It's getting mm -hmm. to move out of a shitty place when, you know, the governor of California is saying that you can't go to your grandma's funeral. Mm -hmm. It's being able to move out of dangerous places when your country is invaded. Mm -hmm. It's being able to get out of a situation where your boss is gaslighting you. Right. Mm -hmm. You no, know, it's the difference between giving your kids a good Christmas and giving your kids a Christmas that you don't want to give them. I mean, mm. it's it's about achieving that again, and yeah. it's possible, and you can do it. Not when you're in your 60s, you could do it now. Mm -hmm. I like it. Yep. You got anything else for Remzo? Yeah. So Remzo, do you think with you know the way things are, and there's this big push for side hustles and the industrious people making that move? Is it going to make a difference in the economy? Is the economy going to grow because of this? I think a lot of people are going to do something that a lot of uh, a lot of big industries fear, which is I think we're going to start seeing a lot of people who started businesses no longer look at just a client base in America, but begin to look at a global client base. Mm. I, I I see I see Africa being the next global market that is going to require a lot of people from the United States to go there and help with startups and businesses and provide, uh, you know, technology services and engineering services and marketing services. I, I see a lot of, I, I see a large market, uh, developing in Africa, mainly because of China mm -hmm. primarily. Yeah. So I we think a lot of people that. are going to see yeah. that. Uh, I, I think China's, uh, you know, making it rise. And I think if Americans are smart, they're going to start looking at an African market base hmm. for their possible clients. I also think we're going to see a big tech boom in India. I, I think that's going to come sooner than later. So what I do want people to understand is that the economy is global. That brings challenges. But like I said, like I, I had very few American clients my first couple of years. Mm -hmm. What I could promise them is that I'll deliver it on time in English because I know who your client base is because mm -hmm. you're selling a product to an American audience because you want that dollar. Right. So, you know, I, I would really just start saying like think global. And, and what that also means is that some people might 
decide to expatriate. We're seeing a large number of very wealthy people uh, move out of the United States, even give up their U.S. citizenships. So what I think we're going to start seeing is we're, we're going to start seeing a bigger divide, a bigger class divide. That is a real thing, and people need to understand that. Libertarians freak out about it, but it's true. It's largely created by the government. So you know that that there can make them feel good, mm-hmm. but um, you know it's like uh, let 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 think about think about rich people problems when you have rich people problems. Right. If if you need an extra five hundred dollars a month to drastically save your life, start there before you change the world. Right. There's Ramsar Martinez promoting globalism. <laughs> <laughs> At its finest. Ramzo, it's been awesome having you on. This has been quite the deep dive yeah. that I wasn't even sure where it would go, but I knew it would be good. So I was like, you know, Ramzo, come teach us how to make money because we all need to know that, especially Absolutely. in the world we're living in today. Um, it's always a pleasure having you on, no matter what we're talking about, though. So thanks again for coming on, Ramzo. Yeah. I appreciate it, Craig and Bill. And I'm just going to throw this out for Break the Bell listeners. <clears throat> If you go ahead and reach out to me for a private coaching call and you mentioned that you heard me on this show, I'll give you half an hour for free. You nice. can you know, take a full hour and get half off or you could just do the free half hour. I want to work with you. I, I want to surround myself with good people trying to improve themselves who want to improve their communities, who want to improve their lives. So I just see it as a great opportunity to help people. So, uh, you know, contact me. Let me know you found me on Break the Bell and let's get some shit done. There you go. Awesome. Thanks again for coming on, Ramzo. We're going to get out of here for this week. We are well over our time. Um, make sure you check us out, all of our social media. Check Remzo out, all of our social media. He is at hey Remzo on Twitter, and I'm guessing on Facebook and everywhere else as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's your handle. Check him out. Check out his show, On The Run Podcast. It's a freaking awesome show. We actually still plug your show every single episode because we believe in what you do, just like you support us. So um, check us out. Uh, Be back here next week, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Same thing every Monday. Otherwise, uh, we got the the Tuesday and the Thursday morning show with Dance Monster. The system is down. The Two Scoops morning news show. I don't know what it's called, but we just talk for 20 minutes about the news. Um, That's about it. Have a great rest of your week. Thanks again, Remzo. We'll catch you next time. We're going to have to deep dive into that esoteric stuff because that sounds awesome. Thanks again, Remzo. Y'all have a good... Take care, guys. Yep, have a great rest of your week. Goodbye. The Break the Bell podcast is brought to you by you. So pat yourself on the back because without you, we would be talking to ourselves. A special thanks to our Patreon members, Justin Zielinski, Remzo Martinez, Stephanie Parker, and T.O. Jacobson. A shout-out to our sponsors, Run Your Mouth Coffee, the On the Run podcast, and Goulash Media. If you'd like to help support us, visit patreon.com slash breakthebell or buy our garbage at breakthebell.bigcartel.com. Get back here next week and let us continue to invade your ear holes. And as always, never stop talking.